Hello and welcome to episode 75 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Jose. And this... Why were you smirking? What are you laughing about? Did it's I say the 75th 70... episode. It's a lot of episodes. Oh, it is. It's our... What is it? Silver anniversary? No. Do we have to buy each other gifts? Is that how this works? Uh... Okay, well, we'll figure this out off air, but welcome to episode 75, <laughs> everyone. So this is this episode of the podcast is our 75th, as we made very clear. And uh, we're calling it an indie summer, because normally, as any Nintendo fan knows, summer's kind of game drought season, especially for us Nintendo fans. And as always... Uh, That's how you go to the movies. Yeah, basically. And as always, Nintendo's holding up their end of the game drop bargain by not releasing anything during the summer. Is there any correlation to that? They don't want to compete? No, with I have no idea what. Maybe they don't want to compete with the outdoors because kids can go outside because it's summer. Yeah, that pretty much is. Like, <laughs> they don't want to compete the, with the Mother Nature. To go with outdoors. Yeah, not, no amount of motion controls will keep a kid inside in the summer. That's true because why swing a virtual bat when you can go swing a real one besides the fact that you won't get hurt. That does take more effort. And it takes more effort. Yeah. This is a very weird intro. But anyway, what I was getting at is that normally there's no games. But this year there are games, and they're indie games, and that's why we're calling it an indie summer. Um, we're going to be talking about Armillo by Fuzzy Wuzzy Games and Shovel Knight by Yacht Club Games and giving full impressions of both of those Wii U titles later in the show. Plus, inexplicably, we're also going to be talking about the polar opposite of that, which is the licensed Activision game, Transformers Rise of the Dark Spark for Wii U. Uh, Jose will have impressions of that later in the show. Before we get to all that, though... Just because Nintendo isn't releasing games doesn't mean they don't want to talk about their games. So we have news on all sorts of updates and everything from Smash Bros. to Hyrule Warriors, plus third-party news, plus a crazy Diddy Kong Racing rumor that I don't think I believe. I want to believe. I don't know if crazy I Crazier than believe. the Metroid Fox? No, crossover. not as crazy as the Metroid Star Fox crossover that never came to be, but uh, like a notch below that. So um, I can't believe we dedicated a whole episode to that. That was a slow news period back in 2012 when we dedicated a whole episode to that. But, uh, anyway. Mad Cats and something something. Mad, yeah, I don't remember what it was called. But it's, go look it up on RamTown.com. And also on RamTown.com, you can find the timestamps for this episode to hear exactly what you want to hear, opposed to the whole thing, if you don't have all the time to spare. Episode 75, you can find it there. So, uh, let's get started, I guess, with the first real news on the upcoming Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire remakes since they were announced. They actually, Nintendo, Game Freak, and Pokemon Company are actually announcing details, finally. So for Omega Ruby and, Af- and Alpha Sapphire, they- Afro, Afro <laughs> Sapphire, for yeah, for Omega and Afro, they've confirmed, which sounds like some sort of seventies buddy cop sort of, like Starsky and Hutch, Omega and Afro, but uh, for so for this new seer, there we go, new set of remakes, uh, they revealed that we that secret bases are in fact coming back, which was kind of a given. Ruby and Sapphire, one of the key things they had in, in those Game Boy Advance games were secret bases, so it was logical that they come back. But for 3DS, they kind of have a twist, or well, it's like a mix of a twist and a mix of other Pokemon games features all kind of mushed into one secret base. So, as was the case in the original games, your secret base is kind of like your own little slice of like like Pokemon world, I guess. Like you can decorate it, you can customize it, you can get items for it, you can use your PC to import everything into it. PC in the game, not in real life. I just realized that. Badly word that was. Uh, and then once you have your belongings, you gotta kind of make this base. And you gotta have people come visit your base, and you can visit their base. And when you go to the base, just like in the old games, there's a CPU version of yourself or of the other person. You can battle them and talk to them and interact with them. But what they're doing this time is you can have secret pals. These are people whose base you like, whose Pokemon team you like, and you can recruit them to come hang out at your base. And then you essentially get a copy of their little virtual computer-controlled self within your base, and then you can have a whole set of these people on your base and have your own 
essentially your own Pokemon gym. You pick your trainers. People can go to your base, battle all the trainers. You gotta give your your uh, group a name. Really, it's a gang. You're recruiting people to join your Pokemon gang. You're not drug related, not illegal activity related Pokemon gang. And then whenever someone visits your base, the more people you have, the more there is for them to do. And also on every base, another new thing they're doing is called uh, flags, where I'm I not think new, new and how they're get, new and what they signify. The flags you could collect, collect flags as just a memento in the past, right? Like you'd be like, oh yeah, that base was this one, and people had different flags. But this time they also work as a counter. No, this one before was, before flags were used to um, upgrade your base. Right, they're different now. That's what I'm yeah. getting at. So it is new. It's not new in the sense that there were flags. It's new in what they signify. Yeah, they're no longer just like upgrades. Now they're basically a ca- they're like a street pass counter in the sense that um, the more flags you have more bases you visited and then when you share your base with other people your flag count is there with your group name with your base details and all that is shareable via qr code which means you can post it to meverse so taking a page from uh, i guess animal crossing's qr clothing and tomodachi life is life's qr me's they now have secret bases so have they said how we actually access these bases like when mm-hmm. you street pass someone does like their base suddenly appear where it would be located in their game See, that's what's confusing. They All they said is you can share them via QR code. What I'm wondering is, like, will StreetPass share them? I, it'd be insane if it didn't. Because but... I feel like... I don't know. I feel like they would have to, like, rework the whole thing. Just because, um... I think before in Ruby and Sapphire... Um, I didn't really mess around with bases too much in Ruby and Sapphire. Right. Me neither, since I didn't know about flags. Yeah, it was, um... <laughs> it wasn't until Diamond when I got really into bases. But, um... In Ruby and Sapphire, if I remember correctly... If there's a certain move you could use, I think it was like natural power or something. Yeah. And you use it against like a wall or something and you could like create a base there. So I guess what I'm wondering is like if you street pass someone, does like their base appear where you where you put yours in the actual overworld or maybe you're not allowed to put bases in the overworld anymore. Maybe they have like a designated area where you put your base almost, and then almost like the kind of, crossing houses. Yeah, yeah kinda of like the houses like, oh, okay, every person you street pass or whose QR code you get, other bases will appear will appear here in the order you collect them. I that's the thing. Pokemon Company is so bad at announcing things because they tell you half the story. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I mean, because I was wondering the same thing. Like if you street pass someone, you go you have to go to a designated area to view the street pass, I would assume. Or is it gonna be like Link Between Worlds where they're just almost like you said, just scattered in the overworld, like the shadow. Yeah, but then that are. also kind of brings up the problem where I guess they can't have it disappear in the overworld in the off chance that two people could have be their in the base same in the same, same spot. I wonder if it's going to be where you plot your base is the entrance to an underground layer that's just base after base after base. Or something. Well, I don't know. I mean, the images they showed that they have, like, stairs or anything? or was Not, it just No, like, it showed, like... I mean, I yeah, it, was just, it was just what presumably will be just your base. Yeah, and, and they showed, like, here, you can pick where to plot your land, and there's, like, a grassy well, I mean, knoll. Well, I mean, but there's well, I mean nothing they showed else. that there's, like, a baseman or, like, a dude that has, like, all those flags. So he could just be, like, the curator of whatever. Baseman, by the way, is for people that don't have friends who want to have a crew at their base but don't have anyone to crew up with, so to speak. Uh. He is your first base crew member, and he brings a Pokemon with him as well. But, um... I kind of wish they had done something similar to what they did in Diamond and Pearl, though. Because that one, it wasn't so much like you have a base in the overworld that you can access whenever you want. It was more of a, as soon as you go on Wi-Fi, as soon as you go underground, you're on Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi was like, underground was like its own little game. I I would be surprised if they do underground. Because then when you you go underground, all of a sudden, anyone else that's underground around you, Mm -hmm. or that joins your lobby or whatever, will all be interconnected. So you could, you're running around a maze of tunnels and you could run into people. And then people where they put their where they put their base and their underground, it will appear in your underground. Right. 
and that's where the whole flag capture thing came from. Like, yes, you have to run and sneak past them and get into their base, steal their flag, and run back. But you could set traps, and you could, um, like, create all these, like, elaborate arrow paths so that they could get close to your base, but then you'll be, they'll be rocketed way back out of the sure, way. Sure, yeah, or, yeah. Like, or there was bubble traps that you have to, like, tap the screen to get rid of them and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's why, or sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just like, it was definitely its own game, but this one just looks like it's more of a... Integrated. It, it's just more... It's focused more around battling and customizing. Yeah, what's interesting is, like, the flag thing. While I was saying, like, oh, it's new that they have flags, because, I mean, they had flags, so it was, like, a game. This one, literally, there's a screenshot where it's, like, the guy standing in front of a flag in the base, and there's all the other trainers of the crew or whatever just hanging out. Yeah. Like, well, the guy being your trainer in someone else's base, I mean. Like, it doesn't seem like there's a whole game element to yeah, flags. It seems like they're a counter. Yeah, because even, like, going back to Diamond, when you got someone's flag, you didn't just get it. You had to actually run back to your base right. and put it back there. And if someone, and if you fell into someone's trap, you could steal your flag back, I think. So now, now to your point, I could be misinterpreting it. They're still calling it flag capturing, yeah. but there's no indication there's a game element involved. Again, Pokemon Company's not good at announcing. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I guess in this, I would case, assume, they would just make you just press A on the flag and. I don't know. That's my flag. point. Like, I don't, I'm just working based strictly off what Pokemon.com said. Well, no, that's it. That's it. Just based yeah. on what they're saying, it sounds like you just yeah, interact but, with the flag and you have it. But on the flip side, logically, it would be based on the most recent iteration of that flag concept which was the game you described so i don't know yeah, but, and then but, the other question yeah, but the mode i was talking about only works if you have like other people running around trying to right. stop you from bringing your flag back to their right base. that's true you have to be on wi-fi and the other thing is so you can share qr codes which obviously rules out the running around component and presumably street pass but like what about like isn't town gonna push like the de- developer bases through spot pass like there's so many possibilities like what if hypothetically you could push your what if through spot pass you make a base and it's automatically synced to everyone on your friends list who has the game in theory. Like, that, there's all sorts of cool stuff they could do that they aren't yeah, divulging a, whatsoever. There's a cool way to put, like, oh, like, I want to set up all my team so that people could fight all my teams without actually having to coordinate a time to battle. Yeah. Even though, like, the computer won't, like, do any of the predicting and switching out that a real person would, I mean, you'll still get to see their team. Yeah, it'd be, like, asynchronous multiplayer within Pokemon. Actually, yeah. the more I think about it, the more I like the idea. Like, that could be really cool if they... See, Nintendo never does this. I mean, never... they could figure out really good AI, that'd be... Yeah, good. yeah, I that one I wouldn't count on as much. But uh, I don't know why Nintendo never leverages Spot Pass for like this sort of thing with friends. They only push you their celeb, their developer meets. Like it'd be cool if like Mario Kart or whatever it synced the ghost data between all your friends like instantly, or it's not hard. instantly, but like once a day or something. I mean, they kind of like even the Wii channel for Mario Kart Wii is like only developer designer or no, it was random ghosts. Random well, I mean, ghosts. we have Mario Kart TV that kind of tells us. Yeah, it does give thing. the stats now, which is nice. But but just like in theory, like they have the capability to push this stuff passively. I don't know, even when the systems are turned off or in sleep mode, I don't know why they don't really leverage. It. I guess it's one of those things that they want you to go out and get the thing, not have it come to you. Which that's just a philosophical difference between them and us, I guess. But but another we have po- to work for it. Yeah, they they want us to work for it. They want us to get our bang for our buck and actually play the thing. But which is silly them. I don't do that. I just buy it. Uh but no, in other Pokemon news, totally unrelated to Alpha uh Alpha and Omega, Omega and Alpha, Afro or and Omega. Is it? Well it might be indirectly, and that's um that they're doing a Pokemon Symphony. So uh I mean we have to talk about this probably about Pokemon anyway. After you know, after they had such a big success with Legend of Zelda, what was, what was the tour called? Symphony of the Goddess. There we go. Oh, that's right. The one we Don't went we to was a little different. Name. We'll talk about ours in a minute. But the 
the the Legend of Zelda Symphony of the Gods tour, which did like multiple laps around the U.S. It didn't just go once. It's been doing it for a couple of years. They got those guys to now make a second symphony tour that will replace Zelda, and this one is called Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions, and they're processing almost 20 years of Pokemon music from Red and Blue. Can you believe it's that old? From Red and Blue up through X and Y, and uh, it's kicking off next month in Washington D.C. Appropriately enough, at the Pokemon World Championships on October, uh, sorry, August 15th, and then it goes to Philadelphia a month later on September 19th, and then we have no idea where it goes because. Nintendo's too lazy to announce the rest, or they're still planning, basically. But hopefully it comes to LA, and hopefully it goes back to Pantages. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't they put it back at Pantages? Because Pantages, they were able to get because it was a bigger deal than Zelda one, in the sense of the Pantages has like Broadway shows, show, you know, on tour there and all sorts but of stuff. But isn't Pokemon arguably also like a really big deal? I mean, I yeah, feel like but it has more worldwide it recognition does. than Zelda. I mean, it could. I'm just thinking like the Zelda thing, they went with the Pantages because they wanted this big, prestigious, like once in a lifetime. Like they brought in Anuma, they brought in Koji Kondo, they had them show up and talk and perform. Pokemon's not going to have that. The kickoff one in DC is going to be the Pantages equivalent. That's not to say, because like I think when the Symphony of the Gods came back to LA, oh, any other venue in LA? Maybe I don't know. Where did Symphony of the Gods play when it came here proper? Not Nokia uh, Theater. Was it? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, well, wherever it was, that's probably where Pokemon ended up. So if it's Pantages, that's great. But but yeah, the uh, the ticket prices for those that are curious for the Pokemon one are pretty much in line with a concert with a Symphony. Oh, it's uh, it's ranging from fifty dollars to eighty two dollars for back to front. Um, in D.C. at least. And I assume it'll be the same pricing everywhere. But we don't know when it's coming here. I'm down to go. If, I mean, if it does come, cool. at least this time for sure, we don't have to pay the... We, the, we, the, we, the, we only the, paid the, about... The I think we only paid 75 No. No, we paid we over paid like 100 You're right, we paid like 120 So for those... I don't think... Have we talked about on the... <laughs> have we talked about on the podcast, actually? The, the sure Zelda... We well, for those who may not have listened really briefly, the Zelda concert we Probably went that to... that was like the first year that... That was when we started the podcast. I don't know if we ever touched it. No, that was like the first time we got back from college, but I don't... We didn't have the podcast yet at no. some point, yeah. So we might have talked about it in passing, but basically these guys at the Symphony of the Gods production company do do an awesome job with these concerts. They integrate visuals, they have big screens, the music synced up with what's going on on screen, they do montages, gameplay footage, etc. And... Uh, all that's happening right in front of you, of course. But what we got as a perk was we went to the kickoff Zelda 25th Anniversary Symphony, which is different in that it was one of three. There was L.A., London, and Tokyo. And Nintendo people showed up. And they decked out the Pantages Theater with giant Hylian like, garb and banners. And it was it was really cool. And, I, I mean, the thing with a touring show like Pokemon is there's no way they're going to do the same level of, like, decking out, so to speak. Yes, I'm sure it's going to be elaborate inside, but they're not going to hang Pokeballs from the ceiling of the lobby like they did the Hylian stuff for Zelda. So it, that was definitely a once-in-a-lifetime thing, but the Pokemon thing still sounds pretty cool. They are doing the video integration, and the thing is, we got... The downside of the symphony we went to is we got, like, the first draft, the rough draft, so to speak. Like, we got the initial try of it, and and over the course of the next two years, the Symphony of the Goddess, they actually tweaked it a lot. They added new music, they adjusted things, they made the, they tight, you know, made the integration of the video and the music a little tighter... That stuff. So presumably Pokemon's going to be super awesome because they're masters of it now. No pun intended with Pokemon and Master. Yeah, I feel like a Mario one at this point is a given. Oh, they've done them in Japan a bunch, actually. They did 25th anniversary Mario a while ago. They do oh, so they do Mario big... They do big swing band Mario music like all the time. Yeah, so it's, well, it's the one like here in the U.S. It's mm-hmm. like, I feel like it's only a matter of time. Especially if, if they're Pokemon doing does well. If Pokemon does well. That's going to be the... Like Zelda makes sense because it's orchestral to begin with. Pokemon, there's probably a bit more of a gamble because it's bleeps and Mario's bloops. Mario's been pretty orchestral lately. It has lately, but 
most people associate with da 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 da, da and not. There's, I think there's, there's orchestral versions of that in Galaxy. That's true, actually. They could fill the whole thing with just Galaxy 1 and 2 music. That's true. And who am I king? I would buy that faster than I buy the Pokemon one. And I'm buying the Pokemon one pretty fast, yeah. so. <laughs> but, uh, it is. Yeah, yeah, well, we go regardless, even if it yeah. was, like, the worst thing ever. It was all played with kazoos. Yeah. <laughs> it is worth mentioning that you made the point about, like, how much we paid for Zelda. Zelda, because it was an exclusive thing, tickets were a lot more expensive. And the thing is, because it's an well, orchestra, I can't really complain. Yeah, we were in the front section. Because it's an orchestra, you don't really need to be in the front section, especially because the screen's like above you. But the advantage when we went was Anuma and Koji Kondo. That's E.G. Anuma, the head of Zelda, and Koji Kondo, the legendary Nintendo composer. They were like right in front of us doing their spiel and playing Grandma's song from Wind Waker and all that jazz. And we wouldn't. That would have not been quite it wasn't as cool. jazz. It, it, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Well played, uh, but well played classical. But um, yeah, if we were in the back, that wouldn't have quite been quite have been quite have been a special moment. I feel like because it's like they're right there, like right in front of us. And if we were in the back, it'd be like, oh yeah, I see them on the screen and a speck down below. Yep, I guess that's them. It's like when we went to the Smash Bros. tournament at E3 last month, and we were like right up front in Sakurai and Reggie were like right there. Versus if we were well, actually, there's a smaller crowd. But if we were in the back, it wouldn't have been quite as cool. Yeah, it's bad I don't have a name to associate with all the Pokemon music because I really do like all the Pokemon music. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's interesting though. It's, I guess that's the difference between like the Pokemon company and Nintendo's. Nintendo's been really. I did an article been after pushing their Pokemon music. They've been selling all. Oh, I know, I know, but they don't push the people behind it. That's the yeah. thing. Like Nintendo's been. I made this article like a year ago on the site. Check out their name. Yeah, name. sure. But I made this article like a year ago on the site. Nintendo's cult of personality after last E3 2013. And basically, my whole point was Nintendo's really, like, hyping up all these younger developers to transition away from Miyamoto being the one central figure of Nintendo. So they're going crazy. Like, everyone at Nintendo, like, you know the names of. But then Pokemon Company, they have no need to do that. So we know none of them. Yeah, there's... Literally none of them. There's literally no names anywhere. It's just a super Pokemon. music collection, Pokemon Company. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure if you open the composer info in iTunes, which you don't have in front of you at the moment, it would be there. But under composer. But still, like, Nintendo's pushing their people really hard, and Pokemon's kind of laying hmm. back, so... If it so goes by artist, it says Game Freak. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Further proves my point. But either way, it should be really cool. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that. I hope it gets announced soon. And also, I just want to say the official oops, artwork oops. they... There's some Pokemon music. The official artwork they put out for the Symphony, the Pokemon Symphony, is so, so adorable. With little Pikachu in his composer outfit, and Charmander, Bulbasaur, and Squirtle playing instruments and whatnot. It's like, I, I, I love the art. So yeah, that that's the Pokemon news. But I think we can finally transition on to the next game, which is uh, Hyrule Warriors. So as you may recall, last episode when uh, Yumi and Elvis were talking about Hyrule Warriors, it was all Twilight Princess almost exclusively. And it looks like they're doing these in waves because this last batch of news was all almost exclusively Skyward Sword. Well, so I guess every... It's pretty safe to say that the next one's going to be all Link's Awakening. <laughs> I was thinking the CDI Zeldas, but I guess Link's Awakening oh, works. Oh, man. Yeah. You... That'd be amazing. Oh, man. Wand of Ganon. That, that's one of the games, right? Wanda Wanda of Gamelon. Oh, Gamelon? I just made up. Places of Evil. Or, I mean, they could even. I feel like do... Nintendo really has to put those. They're still. They, it could be halfway decent. They have to put it there? Yeah. Oh, because it's all the fan service and they include all the games? Yep. Yeah. If they make a reference to it, that'd be enough. If they just. What's that line that the king says? That's like. Dinner is served? No, no. What? <laughs> no, or not. Uh... Oh, no, it's Link. Excuse me, princess. That's, that's not. The that's from the cartoon. Show. I realize, but he has to say it in at some the, point, In right? the game, he says, boy, I wonder what Ganon's up to. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wish he said that at one point. Well, Link won't talk Link in the game. Like, my so. boy. 
The problem, <laughs> the problem is Link isn't good at talking in the game, so they've confirmed that. But what, uh, what's new is, like I said, Skyward Sword is the big one this time. So uh, I don't remember if it was you or Elvis last episode that was saying, like, oh, I want, uh, I want um, what's his name? Uh, bully guy in in Skyloft. Goose, 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 goose. I was probably Elvis. I didn't say Goose. I yeah, said I wanted to see your him in it. Well, guess what? He's in it. Goose, however, is not. So that was a very well acted gasp because you already know that he's in it. But <laughs> um, so actually, I didn't know about Goose's situation. Goose isn't it. in it, at least not yet. But uh, Gearham is definitely Gearham, or however you say it, is definitely in it, but not playable yet. He has been confirmed as a bad guy. He, he can turn into a giant sword. Apparently, that's something he can do. He also can wield Didn't knives. Did you beat he the game, Jason? No, you know I didn't. That's why I'm saying it like that. Uh, but you showed me the ending, but I don't remember a giant sword. Oh. Anyway, he can also um, throw knives and use other swords, but he's not playable yet. But what's interesting... He's the Fee of the bad guy. Yeah, well, here's the thing about Fee. She is playable. Yeah. So, well, she's not she. Nintendo, okay. Nintendo it, made a very clear point. They write, like, write the, the right descriptions for each character when they announce them, and it's like, well, it's like, well, 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 Fee may appear like a young female. She actually is emotionless and, and genderless. It's like, okay, guys. But whatever she is, it is. Well, it makes sense. I mean, it's a sword, yeah. right. But whatever Fee you are call Fee, Fee is playable. Fee is a giant sword that you can control. And Fee will be able to float over enemies instead of walking through them. So, there's that. I'm waiting for Navi to become playable. And all you do is go, hey, look, listen, and shout that at people. And that's the whole game. But no, I'm um, what... do that as much as people say. Like... I know. It's a meme. Like any other meme, it's blown out of proportion. Yeah, but even then, like, I, I find it, like, since I played through Ocarina of Time 3D again, like, in the last few years. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Well, I guess I just never thought it said it enough to, for it to actually be remotely annoying. Or maybe I just don't get annoyed as often. No, I think people... It, it, time... Oh my god, it said it twice in ten minutes. Time makes everything seem more exaggerated. So over time, people are like, oh god, Navi said that so much. But now it's just a joke. The hey, look, listen. Uh-oh. But, um... Fee, though. Yeah, so Fee's <laughs> playable. Gearham is not playable yet. But what I was starting to say before we got on the topic of Fee is... Zant is playable, and Zant's the gear him of Twilight Princess, sorta. And uh, Midna's playable, and the thing about Midna is in Hyrule Warriors, Midna's confirmed to start as a bad character and then convert over to the good side. So, spoilers, I guess. So, uh, if, if Midna can switch teams and Zant is playable, I assume that means Gearham, who also has sword-turning abilities and has multiple moves, will most likely be playable too. They just are not saying that yet. Because I guess he's a major plot point. One of, one of his attacks would be like a giant tongue slash. One of his attacks is going to be flipping his hair at you, I imagine. <laughs> just like a whip. His hair will just extend across the battlefield. But uh, in addition to Gearhead, there's another enemy from Skyward Sword. who's also make a comeback. Uh, definitely not playable given sheer size. And that's the Imprisoned, who just looks like a boss. So, there's that. But it's in a screenshot. And one, one cool thing in screenshots I noticed is... I don't know if it's one stage or multiple stages, but they're basically like copy-pasting and HDifying Skyloft into the game, it looks like. And also the forest from the beginning. So I imagine it's one stage and you start, start Skyloft and work your way down to the forest on Earth level. But you jump uh, off and you have to fight people while you're falling. I mean, that'd be really cool. I would be okay with that. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but it is nice to see that they're like literally going like, okay, let's bring in this stuff from this game and that stuff from that game and we'll kind of slice them into their own segments and they could technically do the whole timeline. Each level is just Fan a different part of time. Or laziness. Or both. <laughs> it's laziness and it's fan service. They're like, hey, we can do less work 
and make the fans happy. Well, I guess that's pretty much what a fan game would be. Yeah. This is literally like the best of Zelda without any of the gameplay of Zelda. <laughs> so <laughs> you really have to come up with anything new. But but I mean it's cool though cuz like when else are you going to get these I know, opportunities? Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not cool. But no, I know I'm what you mean. I know you're just you're just goofing. But uh mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that's high rewards. The other thing worth knowing that has nothing to do with Skyward Sword is uh, Zelda uses the Wind Waker as a weapon. The Wind Waker baton. So that's kind of interesting. There's one screenshot with her holding it, and I was like, hey, wait a minute. I know that stick. So uh, I don't know what she does with it. Or if it's just like in a cinematic or what. But it's there. It's there. The streams are crossing. Twilight Princess Zelda holding a Wind Waker baton. I don't know. But, um... That's funny. I know, right? But it is funny, though, that every time Nintendo shows this, I keep getting, like... Like, I, I see it, I'm like, oh, that's so cool, they're adding this. And then I'm going, like, oh, but it's Dynasty Warriors. I don't know if it's going to feel too repetitive. I know we've talked about this before, but I keep having the thought. Then they announce the next wave. I'm like, oh, my God, okay, now I'm definitely getting it. And then, like, a week later, I'm like... But it is still maybe repetitive, but I've, I think I've gotten over that. I think I'm at the point where, like, I don't care how repetitive it is. I just want to, like, experience oh, the craziness. I don't know. Well, I guess I didn't really plan on getting it to begin with, because I've... If anyone was going to get it, it'd be Elvis. Right. He's the one who usually gets all the Zelda games. Right. It just occurred to me. But this weekend also, or last weekend or a few weeks ago, we saw we went to Anime Expo, and, I, and as I was walking by, I saw Dynasty Warriors, or Samurai Warriors, and then a few, like, booths later, I also saw Gundam Warriors. And they're and, identical. And I'm like, wow, like, even though it's, like, Gundam, and everything is, like, Gundam-related, and I'm sure there's, like, so many references to it, I don't know, like identical. From my understanding, from my understanding, High Rewards is a bit more deep in terms of how it integrates the license than Gundam. Like oh. Gundam's like, oh, you shoot instead of slash. I think. No, but this they're, one they're, they're, they're still slashing. He was using like a giant green beam sword or something. Oh, so he, so that's where Optimus got <laughs> his sword in the new Transformers from. From Gundam. The, from Gundam. Not of from all Transformers. Yep, yep. Not because Transformers can't no, have swords. No, no, no. He stole it from Gundam. There's a big robot war, and he won and took the sword, and then rode off on a, on a Tyrannosaurus Rex robot, a.k.a. a Dinobot. Yeah. All right. That was a weird... Yeah. So... What are we talking about? Uh, we were wrapping up Hyrule War. You were talking about the repetitiveness, or we were talking about the repetitiveness. Oh. Now... That doesn't I'm, mean it's bad, though. I mean, no, not at all. And the thing I is, like... like Repetitive games, depending on what it is. And we did talk about this last episode, kind of yeah. like, well, we'll see what it is, but it's just kind of funny. I keep going through these, like, cycles in my head where it's like, oh, but it's repetitive, but it looks so cool, well, but I mean, it's Well, announcements are announcements. I mean, they're always yeah. exciting. And more to the point, I'm not going to beat the game anyway. Let's be realistic. I'll beat my game, so it won't get repetitive for me. <laughs> I'll play one set of whatever. And <laughs> you play one level, you play them all. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you won't and then I'll just be them. like, and then I'll be like, oh, yeah, I saw Zant, but I'm just going to pretend, I'll just insert gear him into my memory, and I've seen both of them. There you go. It's the same thing. But no, I, I imagine there's a little more to it than that. But uh, uh, one game that certainly has a lot more to it has that for a really bad transition. Oh, Smash Bros. Yes. Smash Bros. Smash Bros. In our final bit of first-party game news, uh, we have the latest on Super Smash Bros. for Wii U and 3DS, courtesy of good old series head Masahiro Sakurai in, in his many Miiverse posts. And I mean, if I'll put it this way. If Hyrule Warriors was doing a Skyward Sword theme this past couple weeks, then Sakurai definitely chose a costume theme for uh, Smash Bros. Like, every announcement was costumes, in a way. He showed off new Mii Fighter outfits, uh, but more importantly... He showed kind of how crazy they're going with the HD costumes. I guess now that they can up-res and actually do some like fancy costumes with good textures, they're going nuts. Lil Mac has the pink hoodie that he trains in, complete with hood on, which presumably will have physics to it because he has wrinkles. When he, for his um, animation where he comes into the game, he rips off his pink hoodie and stuff. So this one he zips it up maybe, I don't know. Or maybe, or, or maybe he animation. takes it off and he still has another one under oh it. Oh my god. 
<laughs> I hope they do that. That'd be great. If he rips off a pink hoodie only to be wearing a pink hoodie. Yeah. But but Wireframe Mac probably has, they probably all have unique entr- entrances based on their outfits. I would imagine. Because oh. I mean, Wireframe Mac. How does he wear it would a hoodie? Be the thing. You oh, just true. have the hoodie. It's just a wireframe, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't change. But, but yeah, it's it's funny because like for the longest time I was like in Brawl, there there are very few like actual different costumes. It was like Wario had WarioWare Wario and normal Wario, and everyone else was like palette swaps. Like, oh look, Mario's well, I mean, now Fire Mario. I mean, they, I mean, they had thoughtful palette swaps. Oh, they were thoughtful, I mean, Mario but they had... were. The Wario costume. Well, that's that's what I mean. That's a little more a little more and elaborate. Luigi had Waluigi. Yeah, but I mean, but, my point is, oh, no, with yeah, the exception yeah, yeah. of Wario, they're not that elaborate. They're palette. They're they were well always, thought yeah. out palette. They're always palette swaps. This time, they seem way. I mean, they're they're palette Sonic swaps. Sonic was always a weird case because like, he always had just a bunch of different shades of blue. Yeah, but the things on his wrist, like he had different rings. Like some of them were. Like just rings, the other ones look like buckles. Right, right. Well, not buckles, more like shackles. I don't know. They look weird, but the things on his wrist actually had different textures or different models, which is weird. Yeah, but like this, this one at least, it seems like they're going a little further with the idea. Like they're still somewhat palette swaps, but they're not just colors. They're actually like full on different textures. Like Link has his Skyward Sword outfit you can wear. Uh, Samus has like this weird. That this was just announced, like a weird stormtrooper looking black and white getup. Which I don't recognize from any game, and Sakurai someone, even joked she's not part of the Imperial Army. As someone in, um, posted an image on Go Nintendo, just like I was just looking at the comments to yeah. see if. Because I mean, the first thought was like, oh, it looks like the light suit because the light suit was white. But it wasn't but, that uh, weird piano three looking black and white. But um, it was black and white. But it was. Not in the but, same but, but the thing was um, the thing about that suit or any of Samus's suits is that they all have like really different shapes, which yeah. kind of makes me wonder why like. Samus of all people is then getting on these different model suits just because um yeah actually they can yeah I I would be shocked if there's not a fusion suit though well they already pretty much debunked that because they have they've shown like oh here 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 are fusion suit Samus's colors on the suit oh that's right yeah like her those right. the fusion suit colors are already there this is what happens when they announce each thing once a day for over a year straight I start forgetting so the announcements yeah. oh but point is um, yeah. Someone, point, someone posted a picture of um, Metroid Prime Hunter's multiplayer, and everyone was playing as a different colored Samus, and there was a white Samus that matched those colors exactly. So. Oh, that's where it came from. See, I never... Yeah, the I green never, visor, the white suit. With the black inner thigh accents. But, yeah. Yeah, but it reminded me a lot of Piano 3. Remember that game for GameCube yeah, and Capcom? Capcom yeah. yeah. But the, the coolest costume of the bunch, to me, was Mario's new super patriotic getup. First of all, they should have announced... I know everyone's made this joke, but I'm going to make it too. They should have announced it on July 4th, not July 9th or Why? whatever. Because he was super patriotic. Yeah, I, know, yeah. I know, I know. Uh, but he... Yeah, so he's wearing pinstripe, red and white, hat, overalls, and he has, like, star... Blue shirt with stars all over it. He looks ridiculous. Yeah, but I know it's that's, so great. That's the only costume I'm going to use when I pick Mario. Yo, me too. Yeah. yeah. And it's great because it's actually a really obscure Nintendo Wait, reference. We both can't pick the same costume. Well, we won't be playing Mario at the same time. Duh. But what I was going to mm. say is uh, it's such an obscure reference, too. It's from NES Open Golf Tournament. You mean you didn't get Open it, like, Tournament the Golf. I knew he was in it, but I didn't realize he wore stripes in that game. Oh, wait, he does. Yeah. No, but they added the blue shirt. He just says white and red. Have, and they're not the same candy cane looking white and red as uh, in almost like a train conductor. Yeah, he, whatever he is, he's amazing, and I want all characters to have pinstripes options of some form or any sort of wacky pattern. Someone could be a barbershop pole for all give I care. Give everyone like an American Deco. Yeah, give everyone like American yeah, flag. give everyone some sort of like America like, outfit, like the Iron Patriot from Iron Man Three. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
or like or even like uh, from Prod- Codename Steam where they have the guy that can like le- like the super American character that uses like an eagle that like shouts freedom as it's attacking or something like that or he shouts freedom as he uses the eagle I don't remember how it works but it's gonna be a character what I thought he's gonna be a character. oh so he could be the one they unveil or by the time most people listen to this he could be one that's unveil- unveiled the uh, first thing Monday morning this goes up Sunday first thing Monday morning 7am there's a new character being announced to the robo Oh, I would love that. You have no idea. But for those that don't know what I'm talking about, Monday the 14th of July, depending on when you're listening to this, it already happened or it didn't. They're announcing a new character. Rumor has it, the Xeno, the Xenoblade producer retweeted the announcement of a live stream of the... Retweeted the announcement that there'll be a live stream announcing the new character. So rumor has it, it's going to be that Xenoblade guy that was Shark. rumored. Yeah, that was rumored a long time ago. Has anyone bothered to check if any other studio has retweeted it? No. But he only retweets things that are relevant to him. He only retweets Nintendo Direct announcements when Xenoblade's in them. So I think he just spoiled it. Or we're living in the past and people are listening to this like, you're an idiot. It was very clearly Chibi Robo. But we'll see. (laughs) It was Dratini somehow. It was Dratini. (laughs) (laughs) That actually be an interesting character. Where'd you get Dratini from? Oh, Oh, on the wall. I'm like, why would they pick that Pokemon over anything else? They that, don't have a serpenty looking. I know, like, like at the end of the day, it'd be cool, but I could see that pissing off a lot of people. Like, oh, it's gonna take up Mewtwo's slot. Yeah. Anything being announced from here on out will be taking up Mewtwo's slot. Yeah, pretty much. But, yeah. But uh, and and there will he oh, Sakurai made a point where he announced the video that they're finally winding down on new challengers. So we're new reaching, challenger video. Yeah. Ye, oh right, yeah. right. Either way, we're reaching. Which means, the, we are reaching the end. It's out in three months. Yeah. So the stuff he wants to announce. So which yeah, which means surprises. Yeah, I mean, Brawl had twelve characters that weren't announced at all until the game came out. Right, and then he kept announcing them afterwards. Yeah. Well, yeah, but they were they were kept in the question mark. Well, right, yeah, 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 but you could you saw the announcement if you click through. Yeah. Yeah. But in terms mm-hmm. of gameplay, though, there wasn't... I mean, the only new thing about Smash Bros. was they explained how the Pac-Man stage on the 3DS version will work. And it's actually kind of cool. The thing I noticed is that the Wii U version seems to have the less gimmicky stages, and the 3DS one has the super wacky ones. I don't know if you picked up on that, too, just like if you look at what's announced for each. But A lot of the, the Wii U ones look the same. Like, the whole... Yeah, because they're more for competitive play. No, not even that. Just the whole, um... You stand on something, and it takes you to different mm-hmm. places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we noticed that at the tournament, yeah. yeah. I think we both commented on it, like, separately. Like, why are they all the same? But, uh, yeah, like, uh, Pilot Wings does that. Uh, what that? Zelda does that. Zelda does that. does that. Fire Emblem's Arena does that to some extent. Well, that one just kind of morphs, but they're all morphing. They're all yeah, morphing they're, all, they're all just tours tours of Nintendo worlds. But uh, I guess so, it's the only way they could get, like... A lot of mileage are like, okay, we can't really think of one Skyward Sword stage to do, so we'll do one yeah. that takes place. Oh, yeah, Skyward Sky, uh, Skyloft. Yeah, that's, that's the same, Skyward Sword. Right, yeah. Yeah. But, but but so for Pac-Man on 3DS, this, these are the ones that are like more like Pictochan, Electroplankton, the 3DS ones. They're just kind of quirky and weird. So for, Pac, for Pac-Man, it literally looks like an old-school Pac-Man map, except instead of being top-down, you're like fighting on it. But there are power pellets, there are ghosts, like Inky, Blinky, Clyde, and that other one. Um, what's the name of Inky, Blinky... Something in Clyde. Yeah. What's the something? Yeah. Yeah? I don't think it's yeah. But anyway, whatever his name is, what? Blort. Blort? (laughs) Blue Blart. Remember Blue Bart, the ghost from Pac-Man? But whatever their names are. They're going to be, don't hit you? Not that oh hit me. Oh, they said don't hit you. Like, I wasn't planning to. Uh, But whatever, whoever they are, they're going to be patrolling around the stage. And if you get hit, you'll get damaged. But if you collect 100 uh, of the pellets on the stage, a power pellet in your color will appear... Eat that, and the ghost turn blue, and you can knock him out. 
So it's literally a Pac-Man game unfolding as you fight, which is kind of a cool concept. The stage looks super barren, though, because it's just an old-school Pac-Man map that you can stand on. Yeah. But but I like the idea behind it. This whole it. collecting thing seems like... It's like a Smash Ball on steroids. It's like the, the collect 100 coin thing, and you get to turn into yeah. golden weapon. Oh, yeah, we never even talked about that, because it was during E3. But yeah, another example of a gimmicky stage in Smash Bros. is for... With the same kind of concept. Yeah, New Super Mario Bros. 2, where, like you said, you collect 100 coins, you get to become gold, and you get to do more damage and have higher defense for a few minutes. Yeah, that's interesting. They really are going with the... So basically, the Wii U version is a whole bunch of tours on floating platforms, and the 3DS one is a whole bunch of get 100 and do somethings. Or at least... At least two. right now. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get a chance to see if that's how it actually is yeah, at Comic-Con. Well, even then, because like, assuming they still post a picture a day even after the 3DS one comes out, they, they probably won't post anything 3DS for day. And if mm-hmm. they do, they probably just be stages at that point. Yeah, no, they're not going to reveal stages at that point. It's going to be secret characters or Wii U exclusively. Well, that's like Wii U exclusive stages. Oh, oh, gotcha. Sorry. I that's like if they announce anything, it would just be the rest of the sure. Wii U only stuff. I, I misunderstood what you meant. That's my bad. But, uh, but yeah, I was saying Comic-Con. Comic-Con. It's going to be at Comic-Con. We're going to Comic-Con. It's going to Comic-Con. Nintendo's hosting a tournament at Comic-Con, in fact. The first ever, uh, it has to be the first ever, it's not out yet, Smash Bros. 3DS Tournament will be happening in San Diego at this year's Comic-Con on Friday, July 25th in Nintendo's Gaming Lounge, which for those Completely who Completely open to the public. None yes. of this invitational None of this invitation. Nonsense. None of this you need a badge. You don't need a badge. You just show up. But yeah, how it works, for those who haven't been to Comic-Con or, or it might go now that you know about tournament or, you know, if you're just curious, uh, Nintendo takes over this huge ballroom in the Marriott next door to the convention center. They call it the Nintendo Gaming Lounge and this year they're doing a tournament there along with having demos like they do every year. So, um... They say it's only limited entry, and you need to get there early if you want to guarantee yourself a spot in the tournament. So at least one of us will go and compete. But for those who aren't there or don't get in, well, if you're there in person and don't get in, you can just watch there. But if you're on, if you're not at Comic Con, Nintendo's following the lead of the Invitational they did, and they're going to be streaming it on Twitch. And I saw so many people on the web go, "Wait, how are they streaming a 3DS game on Twitch?" And like, free, like not understand. Uh, there's a thing called capture cards, guys. The 3DS can hook into a TV, and then they can stream from the TV. But, that's not to say Twitch isn't looking at 3DS. Separately from this, Twitch has said on record that they're looking into ways to integrate with 3DS. Or that they're looking into supporting 3DS. It's even possible, basically. Yeah, I think the word they used was supporting, not integrating. But it is possible. I mean, if you can stream... We'll get to this a little later, but if you can stream games to a 3DS cartridge, which Dragon Quest will do, as we'll discuss, you can probably do it the other direction. The question is, is there processing power to do it? So, like enough processing power to run a game smoothly. But either way... um, Only works if you're connected to an outlet. And, <laughs> and, you, and if you overclock your 3ds, yeah. but uh, but yeah, still it's cool seeing Nintendo really really embrace the whole competitive scene. Like the the thing at E3, it's like okay, that makes sense. Like they're coming out of the Wii U version, and the Wii U version is gonna be the competitive one. But now like they're even doing it with 3ds, and it's also interesting that Wii U was the focus of E3, and now 3ds is the focus of Comic Con. They're really keeping their well, balance I mean, here. The 3ds one's coming out coming out sooner. Does so it kind of make people forget that the Wii U one exists? Yeah, hopefully it doesn't get delayed. I doubt it will. They have no holiday game besides Captain Toad. Can you imagine they're Captain Toad? They're good, then. Oh, yeah, all they need is Captain Toad? They're, they're good for, like, another year. All right, then. Never mind. But, I mean, they have Bayonetta and, and Hyrule Warriors as well, but those are in the fall, not holiday. And not but. made by Nintendo. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. Oh, man, how sad would that be if Smash gets delayed? Actually... How many games did Wait, they, Nintendo themselves only has... How many have one game person, coming out this fall. How many games did they personally make this year? Like, Nintendo? That, yeah, uh... Z- Mario Kart and Captain Toad. They've only made two games for Wii U. For Wii U. For Wii U. 
Three DS they made a bit more. Tomodachi Life, sorta. Name four. Tomodachi Life. Uh-huh. Poke no, that's Pokemon Company. Oh wow, they have nothing because uh, even Professor Layton and Fantasy Life, which come out this fall on three DS, neither of those are Nintendo made. They're localized. Nintendo of America is certainly busy. I don't know what Nintendo Japan's up to. Well, I'm it. Yeah. What are they doing? They must or, be Oh, everything's in twenty fifteen. Splatoon, Yoshi's Woolly World, Zelda. That's what they're doing. They're working on 2015. Three games? games? Those, that's just the three that popped into my head. Star Fox, Project Guard, Project Giant Robot. Those last two maybe don't take much effort. Uh, but po- I, it's actually really smart. And you know, it's funny. We weren't going to talk about it, but I'll mention it super briefly. Um, Reggie was doing an interview with IGN where they asked him, what are you going to do about game droughts? And he's like, oh, second party. The solution is second party. And we're seeing it right now. We just saw it right now. Because, like... He's saying, "Yeah, we're gonna work with more other. Co- we're gonna work with other companies and publish exclusively, and then that way we still have content while we work on So we on pretty HD. much have to treat these games like, like first party. Yeah. Well, Nintendo's overseeing them, so in well, terms yeah. of quality control, they should be for the most part. But um, that's true. And either way, like I mean, if we expect Nintendo to provide a game for us like once a month, like they'll they used to. Yeah. They did on 3DS last year. But the thing is, they've been complaining for so many years now about HD development so much harder than we thought. We really had to, we really had to master it. We can't handle it. And now I now I see how they're mastering it. Much work. <laughs> they're they're just mastering it by going, "You know what? We'll keep pumping out three games a year, but we're going to have a whole second set made by other Desire. people." That's why Double Third became a Nintendo title because they needed another game. Oh. And it's all potential, and it's a zany multiplayer. But <laughs> Throw money at it. Yeah, and then also the indie stuff. Like, the fact that we have Shovel Knight in our middle to talk about this episode, that's Nintendo... Like, the, fra- the web framework... I was a long time ago. I know, but the web framework and, like, uh, you know, all their development tools, Unity Engine for free. Now that we're, like, this far along, it's very clear that what they've been saying up for these past, like, three years, now that I think about it, is... We can only do three or four games a year, because we're a small, co- relatively small company doing HD development, but, and when we do it, it's going to be awesome. Look at Mario Kart 8. But we still need games. So, hey, Tecmo, what's up? Hey, hey, uh, Indies, what's up? Hey, Platinum Games. Hey, uh, whoever makes double, Valhalla Games. You know, they're just outsourcing like crazy. So it's, it's, it's a smart strategy, I guess, to embrace second party in a way they haven't before. I mean, I guess they did in the GameCube era a little. Even Smash Bros. Smash Bros. is Bandai Nam- Namco Bandai. Nothing. They they're not making anything. <laughs> the does learn not doing anything. No, but uh, they're making the amiibos. I guess they're making the amiibos and they're making Captain Toad and they're making Zelda, Yoshi. Now we're just repeating ourselves. It's gonna be a factory. Like you'd be surprised how many people it took to make Captain Toad. EA Tokyo had to pull people from like other <laughs> other segments. You don't understand. EA Tokyo Zelda literally to took out. over our Kyoto office and brought all to Tokyo. Yeah, they took all of Anuma's people, so they couldn't even make Zelda this year. We brought in all of Namco Bandai. We had them abandon Smash Bros. for a few months to come help with Captain Toad. I mean, Captain Toad looks great. Like, the graphics look, look incredibly good. But, yeah, it, it, it would be kind of funny. Which is the only reason, like, this joke holds any weight. Yeah, yeah. But, uh... Yeah, so I guess that, that, that's it for the tournament. It's, you know, it's cool that Nintendo... It's weird because Nintendo... I meant to say this. It's weird that Nintendo... Uh, will one of us come back as a winner? Jose will, not Jason. Maybe. I will lose. Maybe Jason. I'll be trying to enter, probably. At least one of us will enter. Of course, we'll talk about it next episode. I think you, you have a decent chance of, like, making it a Just because I played it for five well, minutes. Well, because, look, the first few rounds are four people, presumably timed, and maybe with items. Yeah. Just go after people that are about to die. That's it. Good point. Do I do you best? Kill Steel. 
Just, yeah, just do what um, just do what We Fit Trainer was doing in the Smash Invitational. Don't fight. Just run away oh, yeah, from everybody. Run away. Yeah. And just keep an eye on the percentages and then kill those people. Good plan. It'll get you until the one-on-ones and then... And then I'm screwed. <laughs> so I can get Your to like, the semifinals. fighting will, will get you through. And hey, it's on the 3DS, so your Toon Link will be playable, presumably. That's true. That is true. So, And we do have seven minutes of experience with it from E3. Or from Best Buy event. So... Yeah, and that's seven mode, more minutes it, it, than most competitors. In a mode that alters the way you play it. Yeah, well, we're not supposed to think with about that. Don't know, think about that part. With characters don't that know, I'm not use. think about that part. But no, <laughs> said Bowser. I guess I but it is crazy how much of a turnaround this is for Nintendo. They went from a year ago, not even allowing or almost banning. They eventually changed their mind, but they wanted Melee not to be at Evo, the big you know the big hmm. game tournament. They were literally like, "Don't stream it, don't use it, we don't want it there." And now here we are, year well, the later, they're doing they two didn't tournaments want to bring attention to an old game, so people don't think like, "Wow, their old game is so good. Why is no one playing their newer one? Are they getting worse?" But they Do didn't. They not have, know how no, to I don't think. I think they were just very protective of their IP. Nintendo as a company has opened up a lot in the last year. I mean, think about some of the stuff they did in the last year compared to two like years ago. Parent, it's like an old protective parent. And then they're like, finally you can leave the nest. He's an adult. Yeah. It's his decision. It's his, it's Smash Bros. decision if Smash Bros. wants to be played at Evo. Mm-hmm. But no, not only are they now allowing it at Evo and doing their own tournaments, they're now an official sponsor of Evo and they have like people on the ground. Like Kit yeah, we get the... Mario Kart 8 commercials like every 15 minutes. Oh, really? I didn't know it was that. Yeah, um, in between matches, one of the announcers are like, oh, and thanks to one of our favorite sponsors, Nintendo, and... They gave us this little video for you guys, and then it was like a Mario Kart commercial that we've seen already. That's insane. I didn't know they did that. That actually speaks even louder than uh, than just being a sponsor, to my point of how much of an about face they no, yeah, they, they would never do something like that a couple years ago. Sponsor an online stream of a random game tournament. I mean, yeah. it's not random. Three years ago, it was random. It's definitely not random. No, no, I mean, like, or... random in the sense, like, oh. for Nintendo, they're like, what is this online game stream? Like, it's crazy how much they've embraced it. That's funny. You could see, Three like, years ago, they would be the like, mouse moving around, because, like, they didn't get it out of the way. Oh, <laughs> during the video? Yeah. Oh, because they just queue it up at full screen on, Basically. like, a PC. Yeah, yeah but no, I was gonna, what I meant when, when I was saying random, I meant, like, Nintendo, like, a couple years ago, like, what is this random tournament? And now they're, like, there. Like, Kit from the Nintendo yeah, uh, their logo is there. Their logo appeared in the bottom. It was really cool. And just seeing it there, it was like, whoa. You never see it there. There's always just Capcom, Namco, and other... It's a really cool about face. I love how open and embracing Nintendo is of, uh, like, all the fan stuff now. It's great. I mean, they started to do that a little at, at Comic-Con over the years, but it's great that they're, like, just diving in now. Yeah. I, for the longest time, have bought Nintendo to, like... Like, I remember back, like... When PlayStation Blog was first starring and Xbox and Major Nelson, I'm like, why doesn't Nintendo do anything like this? And now they've kind of like eclipsed it with Trios Live and all this presence at like every event. And they have so many different personalities now at different things, like Kit and, Kit and Krista and or one set, and then they have like Bill Trennan and Treehouse as another set. Like, it, it's, it's cool. Major Number 9 had a panel that you went to. It did. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying, it was cool. Well, I, was, I get the hint. Yeah, my, my, yeah, actually, they did. So you mentioned Anime Expo. I was there with you one of the days on Saturday. Which coincidentally is when Mighty Number no. Nine made all their crazy announcements because uh, how do you say his first name? Kiji, KG? KG, KG, and if help me, I don't want to butcher it. Inafune. Oh, I was gonna say it right. KG you got to meet him and took a picture with him. I know, him. I know. That's why I was afraid to butcher it. <laughs> he was so you could see the fear in his face. I, like, oh in my, my god, face or in no, his, his face? face? Like oh my god, what are you gonna do to me? Just take the picture and leave? No, he was very nice. He wasn't like that at all. No, he he had that like. Like, get away from me, face. No, he didn't. I took the picture. Yeah. No, I have the photo. He's smiling. Right. With fear in his eyes. But smiling. <laughs> no, he was actually really nice. Like, before we rip apart his announcements, uh, <laughs> he was actually, like, his autograph signing was just ending. And for those who don't know, this is the guy that made Mega Man. He's now doing my number nine, the Kickstarter project that's very Mega Man-esque. But this is the, he didn't necessarily. Mega Man-esque. Mega Man-esque. It's very Mega Man-like. 
but he... No, 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 it's just... It, it is Mega Man. Yeah, it, it is. Who am I kidding? But, uh, yeah, so he... This is the guy that is credited for creating Mega Man. And, uh, so he had an autograph signing on Saturday, and we decided to walk over and just see. We didn't even know if he would be there. It was like, well, we'll see. And he was. And then it wrapped up, and he was leaving. And then some guy comes up to him after the sign. He's like, hey, can you sign this? And then he's like, you know, he's like, yeah, sure. And he has his assistant go get a pen. And then that guy's done, and then we're like, yeah, let's try and get photos. So let's walk yeah, up and to And then it. his entourage was just talking to other people, and he was just there. Yeah, like, just, it was they super... Just, they they and, just left them alone. And what's like, crazy... Right, no, they're, well, they're all, they're all, like, really close together. They're just facing in different directions. But yeah, what was but crazy about down. it, to me, is this was two hours before his panel. Like, he had things to do, places to go. He had to go get dinner, like, I would assume. He, there, it's but not just like he was, like... Dil- the he robot. Does, like, uh, Mega Man. like Mega Man himself. Ah, oh, that's the inspiration. So He's who's his Dr. Wily? His dad? Oh. His dad built him. Well, yeah, I guess technically. Yeah, uh, yeah, true. But uh, yeah, he was just like really like a really kind of chill guy. <laughs> like it was, it, it's nice. It's nice meeting him. Yeah, but, and then they walked away. They're like, "Well, I gotta go to my panel and gotta rock and roll." Yep, and then he hopped on a on a dog who also is a hovercraft and took off towards his panel. But uh, no, but once he did the panel, things fell apart a little. Nothing against him. I don't think he had a bad intentions, but the reactions to it. And just the concept of what they announced I don't was not as But I reacted pretty badly too. I reacted. The crowd reacted pretty timidly to out. Well, tepidly, not timidly. Let me explain what it was. So it was more like, yeah. Let me let me walk you through it. Let me walk you through it from the start. So first, he gets the crowd all rallied up, talking about how great the game was, and he announced plans for a uh, like expanding my number nine beyond just a game. He's like, oh, we're gonna do, we're gonna make a world of it. We're gonna have a cartoon, an anime of it, a CG anime, and he rolls the footage. And it's like a minute and a half trailer, and it's from the people. It's from uh, Digital Frontier, the guys that do the that did the uh, CG Resident Evil movies. And everyone's like, "Oh, like the crowd went nuts for that." And you know the best part? Yeah. Then mm-hmm. then came the second half. But before I get to that, I do want to touch on the animated part, which was I was always under the impression that Beck of My Number Nine, the main character, was gonna be kind of like Mega Man X, like badass ish, like obviously a cartoon character, but like kind of like yeah, I'm Mega Man, I'm Beck. I, I don't know how really? to react. I never got the impression he was going to be riffing on the humor of Despicable Me's minions as much as he did in that teaser. The whole teaser was, look how clumsy he is. He doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, he still saves the day. Like, it was just like, really? Like, I don't know. It's just personally, I thought he's going to be more Mega Man X, less whatever that was. I guess Mega Man cartoon Meg- version of him. Incompetent. Incompetent. He wasn't incompetent. He's just like, first of all, he, the way they animated him, he looks like he's 12. And then, like, well, I know Mega looks, Man, original Mega young. Man, original Mega Man was young, too. I understand that. But, I don't know, I just always assumed he was going to be a little more Mega Man X. So that kind of took me, caught me off guard. Cause I'm like, wouldn't wow, assume he would is... be more regular Mega Man. Considering... But even regular Mega Man wasn't, like, a doofus. Like, no, he wasn't. Like, I don't know if you've seen the trailer, but, and, of course, the crowd ate it up for the most part. There are some people that were, like, uh, but they're definitely, like, there's one scene where he, like, tries to shoot his arm cannon, and it's just, like, or his, like, water cannon, it just, like, drips water instead of, like, blasting. And, like, a couple people in the crowd started, like, hooping and hollering. Like, really, guys? This isn't that creative of a joke. Mm. But it, it was very similar to, like, the minions, the mischief of the minions in Despicable Me. Just one guy instead of a group of them. But, like, it, the whole time, like, this is this is totally, like, rabid humor. Mi- minion humor. But, um... So slapstick. Yeah, kind of slapsticky, kid-friendly. So that was kind of something. But I, the concept was cool. I was like, oh, that's cool. He's doing, you know, they're expanding it. That's neat. And then, uh, then he's like, yeah, we're going to need funding for that. What you just saw. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> You're paying for it. Well, that's the thing. He, he said, we're going to want funding. And then he went on to say, so if you know any rich friends, please, like, literally, he said, if you know any, if you have any rich friends and they're interested in backing an animation, let us know. Get us in touch. 
So at least this at least this one they're doing through private funding, not through a Kickstarter or anything. It's just an on the side thing. He's basically trying to build out. So whole they give out like IP. an email or something. No, it just said come talk to us. I guess they you know if someone has if someone has people with money, they know how to get in touch. There's ways you can email con- concept at their website. You could go back there and be like, yeah, I have a friend. Who had, I you I could go back there, not me personally, but like if I had the money, I could go back there and be like, yeah, I have a million bucks, I'll put down five hundred thousand, let's do this. And it'd be like, all right, and then we sign the contract on spot, I imagine. <laughs> but uh, so that was announced. I was like, oh, that's cool in concept, execution, whatever. It's not out till twenty sixteen, by the way. So Jeez. they just made the trailer. That's all I did. Then he keeps talking. Well, it makes sense. Animation takes a long time. Oh yeah, yeah. So especially CG, that definitely takes longer than hand drawn in in some ways, doesn't it? In- no. Is it quick? Oh, I guess it would be quicker. If, if it did, people wouldn't be doing CG. Good point. It is faster. The whole point of you're C- right. You're the whole point right, of CG right, is that right, you don't right, have to right. draw the same thing you over and tell over again. As I was saying, I was like, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the opposite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it still right. takes a while, but not like. I guess the initial rendering is what takes a while, and then like, once you have the model. Yeah, like fractions of what it would cost, what it would take. Can we pretend I didn't say that? Can we like rewind the podcast? Right, and like, I mean, that I, comment. I mean, the, I mean, the process up to the actual animation is pretty similar, though. Right. Okay. But yeah. Yeah, can we just rewind what I said and pretend I never said it? I just look like a fool now. But no, so we, so he gets to, uh, then he gets to the second half, and this was another funding he wanted, but this one wasn't from private backers. This was a second crowdfunding campaign, and this, this is where he started to lose the crowd a little. Now, just to be clear, my number nine exceeded its original Kickstarter goal by 427%. I'll repeat that. 427%. They wanted 900000 or somewhere around there. They got three point, over $3.8 million. So even they after exceeded they all their stretch goals. And still made more money. And still made more money. And yet, now he wants an additional chunk of cash to do even more stuff that he claims they didn't think of originally. Or like, as he put, oh, people come up to me, I go so to these extra extra money wasn't, well, I guess it wouldn't be. Like a, I guess he'd be adding a whole extra game in there. But, well, extra features to the game. Such yeah. as, for $250,000... Japanese and American voice acting Wait, to what? tie in with the cartoon, presumably. So basically, his argument was, uh, you know, I go to all these events like AMA Expo around the world, and people are always like, oh, I wish I could have backed that. I would like to back that. So instead of so just saying, so instead, instead of just saying, sure, we'll open a PayPal account, they said, sure, we're going to open a PayPal account, but do it as a whole second campaign where we're going to tie in all this stuff that wasn't originally promised. The game's still on track, supposedly. I mean, as a backer, I should back up. I backed the game initially. I'm torn about what to think of this. As a backer of the original game, like, of my number nine, the form I thought it was, I kind of looked at it in two ways. Like, one, uh, if the campaign takes off, that's great. I'm getting more bang for my buck. It's still coming out spring 2015, so says Inafune. And uh, I'm just going to get extra features I didn't bargain for. That's great. If I could turn off the voice acting, that would be even better, but whatever. So that won't change. I'm still getting the game I'm supposed to get. Now I might just have an extra layer of stuff on it. Yet on the other hand, it does make me wonder if the original game was pitched to me and those 67,000 other backers as kind of not entirely true. Like, was it a half-baked concept and now they're trying to fill in the... No pun intended, because that's kind of their company name. And now they're trying to fill in the rest? Or is this really what Inafune said? And he's like, oh yeah, people came up to me and wanted to back it. And then other people came up to me and said, I have an idea. So I'm like, well, why don't I take the money from these people and the ideas from those people and do a second campaign? Like, that's how he pitched it. But it's, I mean... I feel like it'd make more sense to just make a sequel at that point. Yeah, I think it'd make a lot more sense if he said, we're going to deliver the original game as promised, 
and then we will build it from there. Yeah, but because he's a savvy businessman... Use the funds from the first game and build your new right, people. Right, but because he's a savvy businessman, which he definitely is, he's like, wait, we have a money-making opportunity. The problem is it feels kind of gross. Like, I don't know if gross is the right word, but you know what I mean. Like, it's just kind of manip- not manipulative. But he basically... They pitched a game to fans under going... Handed? Yeah, under... Not, yeah, sure. They pitched a game to fans saying, hey, we want $900,000 to bring you Mega Man without the name Mega Man. Like, it's all the original people. They brought on, like, half of the original yeah. development team and all sorts of stuff. Like, it's a ton of Watch Mega Man they don't meet any of their goals, and then they're like, oh, I guess not a lot of people want Mega Man, and then the whole thing is canceled. Well, <laughs> well, now it's too late for that, but <laughs> that, that would be kind of funny, though, after all that. But uh, but then we never would have gotten the freak out at the Invitational of everyone going, Mega Man! Never would have happened if there's no one cared. Uh, but yeah, well, so they, they you well, know, they people get... care about Mega Man. This oh, they don't not, care about Inafune's, yeah. But but Capcom's not even doing anything with Mega Man anymore. Nintendo's doing a better job well, yeah, with Mega but, Man. Well, yeah, than Capcom. but but make people still care about Mega Man. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, for obvious reasons, because of that same thing you just sure. referenced. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I don't think Beck would. Beck doesn't <laughs> have the same appeal as that cartoon taught me. But no, the, what I was gonna say though is, so it feels just kind of underhanded and gross because like you have nine hundred thousand dollars that you're requesting, right? And then fans go, "We love this idea so much. We're gonna give you four hundred percent more. We're gonna fourfold it for you." You have so much money, you're gonna be swimming in it. You're gonna have a Scrooge McDuck pool of money, and you are gonna dive in and enjoy and like bathe in it, and it'll be great. But then they go, you know what, guys? We really love how passionate you are. So how about you become even more passionate and give us even more money? Literally, the panel, which started off, they got greedy. They did, and the panel, which started off as being like, oh, I mean, first of all, he didn't really say a lot of new stuff. The most interesting tidbit he said was that. The original Mega Man on NES was going to be six times harder, roughly, than it ended up being. And they had it that much harder. And then the marketing team at Capcom went, no one can play this. What are you doing? And they went, fine, we'll scale it down. So now my number nine will have the difficulty of that original Mega Man. All the tricks and stuff they took out, they're putting back in. That was an interesting tidbit he said at uh, the panel. I was like, oh, that's really cool. That's some insightful stuff. Watch the game actually be like... Easier. Truly, no, truly unplayable. Uh, and they'll yeah. be like, wow, this is horrible. I, <laughs> I paid $20 <laughs> to walk into a wall. How do I get past this wall? I mean, this is like the kind of difficulty you'd expect from a mod so it could purposely be unplayable. Like the like the, some of those Mario Maker levels that the developers like, oh, were making for each other. I guess he wasn't that good of a game to begin with. It was only because they scaled it back. It's Capcom's marketing team that saved the game. Basically. <laughs> but no, uh... I guess we'll find out soon enough if that really was I guess so, yeah, spring. But no, so like, that was interesting. But most of but the rest of the panel, he just went over basic stuff. And then he went to this pitch about, like, basically, like... He was saying stuff like, uh... You guys have the power... To make this happen. We need your power. It's like, just say money. Mm. If you want money, just say money. <laughs> like, uh, it's in the Kickstarter, the new campaign video, which isn't even through Kickstarter, by so the way. He's trying to sweet talk you without really he saying is. it. He is. <laughs> he really is. Because he's like, he even made some comment during the panel where he's like, uh, we think this is going to be beneficial not just for us, but also for you. Because we're, it's a win-win scenario. It's, it's like a panel win-win. or a pitch. That's, that was the problem. Like, halfway through, it started morphing into his pitch. And then it like rounded back to a panel when he did Q&A. Which was actually there's some <laughs> kind of cool Q and A questions, but did no, you so have he, this panel just so you could pitch this idea? To literally, him? he did. <laughs> like when when he first unveiled the anime, I'm like, oh, that's why he's here. It's anime expo, and he's unveiling an anime. I get it. It makes sense. I can connect those dots. Then he went to pitch mode. I'm like, did I just fall into some sort of weird like seminar? You know those mm-hmm. like self motivational seminars that are all scam. I was like, did I just slip into one of those somehow? Like, how did that happen? But but it's just like it was so weird. And he, I feel like he's really milking fans now and really trying to just take advantage not consciously milking them but it's just like oh well fans did so much for me the first time i'm sure they'll do it again it's like no not really and the audience there are 2200 people in that room 
they went nuts for that anime. They went nuts after every sentence he said because there's a pause for translation. So he'd talk, then the translator would talk, and there'd be a pause. So everyone would always clap at the pause because he'd be like, Mega Man, or sorry, my number nine is going to be the Mega Man you always wanted. And then like he'll say another sentence like, it's going to be more difficult. You'll love it. And then just like every sentence, he'd be like, one time I got soup. It's just like, it was so weird. <laughs> you want more the, money. Yeah, and then silence. And then you hear a cough in the back. Yeah, no, because literally he does the pitch and he's like, so yeah, that's what we're asking. We're going to start a second campaign. And the clapping went from like, to literally like, like people, there are, few, there are still a few like, woo, but it's definitely not the screams of, of joy that started the panel. So I'm not the only one feeling this way. And based on internet reaction, it seems like a lot of people are in the same boat. But with all that said, to Inafune's credit, I, like I said, I don't think he's actually trying to scam anyone. I think he legitimately has new ideas since the funding and legitimately has gotten feedback from people and heard from people that they want to contribute. And he's like, well, here's how you do it. Problem is, like you said, he should finish the game first, then go back. Shovel Knight was able to be made on $300,000. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone would have had a problem with no. this being DLC. No. DLC or even if he just released this in his brain and said, hey guys, we're doing uh, my number 9 too. Or yeah, like 1.5 or something. It's going to be the same game, but we're adding extra content. If you want to contribute, we'll... My number nine you know, director's cut. Yeah. And it could have even done something like, how about this? If you want to contribute to a new campaign, we'll deduct your previous contribution. Like, contribute X amount, and we'll do some sort of discount program where, like, a percentage is taken off based on how much you gave to the first one, or something like that. Like, there are ways it could have done this where it doesn't feel as, like, slimy, <laughs> I guess. So, I don't know. It was, it was a very interesting panel just to see the crowd's reactions to things, oh. and it was really cool to meet him. I and guess he, I missed the crowd reaction parts. He does, yeah, because you were at the Bayonetta one. Yeah. How was that? Because that's Nintendo-related. It was um just like playing Bayonetta. It was like exactly how you would, how it is. Like They, they took Wait. the game and turned it into an anime, like, verbatim. Hmm. Like, down to, like, I don't know, one of the cutscenes um, from the game ended up kind of being what it was in oh, the really? anime, except in a different location. So when And then the battle music comes out, and she does what she does in the game. When does the anime actually come out? Is it around the time of the game? In October? Uh, I remember them saying, I think it was November. Or it was around the time. Oh, so was, that's was, some good cross-marketing, potentially. Yeah. But... You know, same voice actors, except for one, something about them not knowing where one of them was because they're like, oh, who did this voice? And they're like, oh, some British person. And they're like, really? Like, you don't know who it is? <laughs> yeah. And apparently, whoever does the voice of Bayonetta knew who it was and they got in contact and blah, blah, blah. Right, right. Yeah. But... Oh, one interesting thing that I do want to mention. From Bayonetta? Well, sort of. Sure. The, the guy directing the anime, he wanted to give away these really, like, hand-drawn things from the people that animated it and whatever. Uh-huh. And... It was to everyone in the audience, and we're like, wait, how are they going to do this? I picked someone randomly. Paper airplanes. Close. Really? <laughs> um, rock, paper, scissors. With who? The whole audience? The whole audience. How do you determine who wins? Well, basically, it was honor system. I'll repeat my question. <laughs> how do you determine who wins? Um, basically, like, the first, I'd say, I'm surprised it even worked. Basically, he did rock, paper, scissors. He said, all right, if you, you have to beat them. You don't, if you tie with them or lose, you lose. Yeah. And then, all right, if that happens, you have to sit down. And obviously, like... That's such an honor. Like, like, a lot of people, like, obviously, like, cheated for the first few rounds. But um, a lot of people were sitting down, and it got to the point where there were only, like, 20 people left. Oh, and they could see their hands, yeah. Yeah, and then um, when it came down to, like, maybe, like, 15 or less, like, all of those people just went up. And basically, all those people were going to win. Four of those people were going to win, mm-hmm. I think. Because they could keep an eye on them. Sure. And they just narrowed it down from there. How long did this take? 
Not that long, like less than 10 minutes. Oh, that's not bad. So. That's a lot of rock, paper, scissors, though. 10 minutes of rock, paper, scissors. Well, like the other minutes just came into them, like walking over there and sure, in sure. between rounds and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, maybe it was less than 10 minutes, but whatever. That's kind of. I thought that was interesting. Just it the is, fact that they used rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. Like with a whole audience of. They uh, could just call out a random number and be like, if the last two digits of your badge number are, are this number, come on up. And yeah. just kept doing it till they got a number. Presumably everyone has a badge, so. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, so Anime Expo is interesting. Last year was a lot more game stuff. There were actually demos last year. Capcom was there. Nicholas was there with 1001 Spikes. This year, the only game booth for Nintendo-related stuff, really, was a Harvest Moon booth with no game in it. It was just a bunch of stuffed, am- stuffed cows, so. There was Persona Q. Oh, that's right. Persona Q was there, and we did not play it. We were bad Nintendo podcasters. So, that was, so that's Anime Expo. <laughs> <laughs> so completely, completely switching gears. Pun kind of intended. Um... Project Cars. Now, this game's been in development forever, actually. It's uh, it's a different type of crowdfunded project, you could say. It, it was crowdfunded through a special program starting way back in 2011, and it was announced in January 2012 for the Wii U, before the Wii U even came out. And since then, it's been it's been steadily being worked on by uh, Slightly Mad Studios. They're the guys that did Need for Speed Shift, the more realistic Need for Speed, a few years ago. And this was what they decided to do after it, and they went independent for it. So... It was coming to... It is still coming to Wii U. And they're aiming for this super realistic game. They, like, got all these major car uh, company, you know, licensing agreements. They have, like, every major car. And keep in mind, this is independence. That, that's kind of tricky to go company by company like that. They, uh, they're they toying with the gamepad to, like, have your entire dash with all the gauges, like, on the gamepad. Which is kind of cool. So you'll be looking at the windshield on the TV and have the stuff on the gamepad. I don't know if they're actually going to implement that, but they they talked, like, a year ago about doing that. And they haven't updated since. So I assume, maybe... But, uh, and even things like now it's going to Xbox One and PS4 and it's going to support the Oculus Rift and it's going to support Project Morpheus. Wow. It's a really ambitious project from a, from, you know, a crowdsourced thing. All they needed was a publisher and they now have one, at least in Europe, and that's, uh, Namco Bandai. Actually, no, sorry. Namco Bandai is what they're called in America. In Europe, they're Bandai, they're Bandai Namco. So, Whoa. we gotta clarify that. So, they're gonna be publishing it in Europe and we never really talked about the game because there wasn't much to say because it's always just like, you know, little tidbits like, oh, it's steadily in development. But now that's like shaping up to be this really ambitious, super realistic racing game. Yeah, don't they already have Probably a worth cover? Mentioning. Yeah, it's basically coming out now. So, so not only are there all those features, but there's also like a lot of gameplay options. I mean, you create your own driver. You do all these, you do all these uh, like different motorsports you can choose from. It's not just, you know, like a NASCAR style race or like an F1 style race. There's all sorts of different things you can do with different cars. And on top of that, there's all these different in-game goals you can reach. Not just, like, racing, but, like, historic accomplishments and stuff. So you can mimic, like, real-life things that have happened on, like, the Nuremberg or raceways like that. Um, And on top of that, there's also all these online features, including uh, special-themed events. They're going to have race weekends. They're going to have... Where literally, like, the community will come online and play, and there'll be, like, special prizes. They're even going to do real-world prizes. So if you're competing in an online tournament such as a race weekend, you can actually win either money or some sort of object at the end of the weekend, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. And then, of course, they have leaderboards with time trials. Like, it's a really ambitious game, and they're going for, like, photorealism, so the graphics look really good, even on Wii U. Um, but right now, the problem is right now, Namco Bandai, or sorry, Bandai, Bandai Namco, is only confirming a European release. And something like this is not on the Wii U. Like, there's nothing like this on Wii U. Mario Kart. I mean, okay, let me rephrase. There's nothing... (laughs) Touche. There's nothing as real and as car enthusiast friendly 
as this. There we go. That's some careful wording. Uh, but so you would think. I mean, the Wii U doesn't have a ton of games. It could use something. Like, even Need for Speed's more arcadey. Like they could use something like this. So it's strange. That's not in Europe. That's only in Europe at the moment. Oh, did yeah, I mention? It could drive sales. It could drive sales. Ha! And did I mention that uh, it also has a dynamic weather system and the ability to fully play the pit stops? Everything in this game is like nuts. It has a day-night system that changes in, I don't know if it's real-time or in a cycle, but it's like dynamic weather with day and night. Like, Damn, it sounds really ambitious. It is. It's been in development for like three years. And what's funny is, like, they've been doing surveys on their developer, you know, the community with the crowdfunding. It's like, which version are you most excited for? And Wii U actually comes in, last. the last poll I saw came in at, like, 27%, and the other ones were below that. Steam, I think, was number two, and then, like, Xbox One was, like, last, and PS4 was above that. But even with that stat, which is good to know, um, Wii U version's not coming out until next year. That was confirmed just recently. PS4 and Xbox One this year. I mean, like based sound on, familiar, <laughs> but like based on what you're saying, though, like it sounds like the Wii U one would take more work if they actually want to like incorporate the Game Pass stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, if they're just putting off that's TV true. play and that's it, you would assume they would all come out at the same time, and the Wii U wouldn't have anything special. But if they actually want to do what they say they're going to do, it makes sense for it to come. But out But just later. to throw a kink in your argument here, and then why not just delay the other one? No, 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 not even that. Uh, the Wii U version was announced like a year before the PS4 and Xbox One versions. Originally, it was kind of 360 and PS3 well, the- and Wii U. And then they said, why are we putting these on 360 and PS3? Let's put them on next-gen. So they moved them to next-gen. So the time it took them to move it to next-gen and push it to next-gen, we the Wii U one probably just fell to the wayside. Because uh, well, quite yeah. frankly, it didn't have sales. Yeah, but, it still doesn't have sales. Yeah, but even so, like, I mean, if they were working on the Wii U one first, they were probably still working on the core game. Yeah. Which could easily, at that point, still be ported to the other consoles. That's true. I mean, they probably haven't even, like, Really yeah, I mean, stuff. yeah, I mean, all they've said so far is, this is a quote, they, quote, need a little more time to, to deliver their vision. So that's code for it was on the back burner or it's just taking extra for whatever reason. But it's a bummer because, like, it's another situation where people are like, oh, I'd buy the Wii U one. Let's go roll around on PS4, no pun intended. And, Rayman 2. Uh, yeah, it's going to be like Rayman Legends all over again. And it's good. And then it'll, roll, you know, it'll show up on PS4, and it'll be like, I guess I don't want to wait and just buy it on there. They're kind of jeopardizing their own sales. Also, it needs to come to America. So. Yeah. But the concept is super cool. Like, I'm not big on racing sims, myself, personally, but just the amount of effort going into this thing is insane. And it's crowdfunded. That's what I can't get over. So, um... Yeah, so I'll, well, I assume we'll talk more about Project Cars as it gets closer to launch and we learn a bit more about what actually entails, since it's a really ambitious game, but I don't know how we managed to not mention it on the show for three, two and a half years that we've existed. It's older than our show. No, that's a lie. It's not. It's It was announced like the second episode of our show. But but yeah, so going from Europe to Japan, there's some weird announcements out of Japan recently, actually. Yeah, we're two, traveling a lot. This yeah, time. we're going all over the place. Um, two... 3DS games in particular that are doing things a little differently than what we'd expect. The bigger one, which we kind of talked about earlier very briefly, is Dragon Quest is coming to 3... Dragon Quest X, the Wii and Wii U and PC MMORPG. I mean, the first 3DS game to use an X for 10. That's the new thing. Okay. Isn't that it? Yeah, you're right. Alright, next game. No, the uh, Dragon Quest X is the first 3DS game to not actually be played on a 3DS. So what's going to happen is you buy a cartridge... And then the cartridge streams the game to the 3DS from so the internet. So you are playing it on the 3DS. No, you're not playing it, but the 3DS isn't running it. The 3DS is streaming it. It's running on a server somewhere, on a cloud, in a cloud, the cloud. Being played on a 3DS. Being played via a 3DS. 
Yeah. Let me put it this way. No, it's, no, I get you. Yeah, yeah. You. It's the Wii and Wii U port. Like, it's the Wii U version, but the bottom screen uh, basically is the gamepad. So on the bottom screen, the top screen you have the game, and on the bottom screen you have a giant ZL button, a giant ZR button, a right stick, and then a keyboard pop-up prompt. Like, it's literally the Wii U version scaled down. Yeah, you, you could definitely tell, though. I, for whatever reason that I kind of regret, I stayed up and watched that Nintendo Direct. At 4 a.m.? Yeah. Well, Props there, to you. Well, I mean, there was no news out of that thing that we didn't already... I mean... Final Fantasy Explorers, there's that. There's the new Tales game, which was announced. Well, I mean, I, I was ago. already up anyway, working on stuff. And then I figured, like, oh, just half an hour more. I sure. I'll just stay up. I mean, the trailers were cool for Monster Hunter. I really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, I forgot they had the new Monster Hunter trailer. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. And then, like, even though I don't plan on getting this game, it was still really cool to watch the trailer. Like, the graphics looked really good. Like, compared, that's what, yeah, that's what's like, cool compared about to, like, it. Like, it definitely looked like, well, this is definitely not... Like, this wouldn't be possible on the 3DS, like, as is... So. That's what I think it's super cool about it, is the fact that it is like on live or play or the PlayStation Now service that's coming out soon. Where because it's on a server, there's no graphical limitations, there's no hardware limitations. Xbox One does this to some extent too. It's just you just stream it. So the only potential downside of that is uh, you always need an internet connection. You all, well, three downsides: you always need an internet connection. The visuals cannot be in the stereoscopic 3D because that's double the stream, which you're not going to do. And uh, there's also latency issues. It's not going to feel as instantaneous as a normal game. It, it'll be like a millisecond lag. It's kind of why I wish I, I had understand Japanese more. Because when I was watching the stream, I heard them say... Um, latency? No, I heard them use the word like 3D effect. Or they were talking about the 3D. There is no 3D. No, no, that's not what like, I wanted to see. Like, I wanted to know oh, exactly know. what they yeah. said about it. Yeah. Because they're like, like oh, you're not... I think, it, I think it sounded like you were saying, like, oh, you're not playing in 3D. But Yeah, well, you know very rudimentary Japanese, right? Like, yes and no. <laughs> yeah, so that didn't really help. No, I guess not. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's cool in the sense that it opens up so many possibilities. But before we get to that, we should probably mention it is MMORPG, which means you buy the base game and then you pay a subscription fee. Like, it's a full-on MMO. So as soon as you uh, don't pay the subscription, yeah, the game the will not be streaming to your cartridge anymore, which is weird. They just showed the people walking through, like, little villages where it's online people, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, fully online. But that is kind of weird, like, it's, like, the game, they pretty much have full control of the game. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're not paying? You're not Which is weird, because you're buying the base cartridge. You're paying a full retail price for the cartridge. or But it comes with well, free 60-day I mean, trial. Sense. I mean, you're playing, you're paying for the means to play this game. I mean, you've never, if you're going to play an MMO, you're obviously not going to play for like 10 hours and that's it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, they have to make their money somehow. It's like... Oh, I, I get that. Like, I gotta remember... I can't remember who said this. Like, like, oh, people nowadays are playing these games for like hundreds of hours and they only paid 50 bucks. That's like, bull. Yeah, yeah. Like, we should be getting more money off of that. No, I get that. But it's like, if you buy World of Warcraft, if you buy EverQuest, if you buy one of those games, you have a physical game that you can turn on and something happens. I don't know what, but something happens. But with this, you're going to turn on your cartridge it's going to be like, no stream found and that's it. Like, that's weird Doesn't i mean it's like just a down just, version of it no I, I don't know what it would be i don't there is nothing it could be and the thing is this is just that weird we're at that crossroad going from like digital you know like the idea of like cloud-based normal gaming you can't and play it gaming. on the go if you, unless you have wi-fi but in japan they come out with a thing oh i can only pay for 10 minutes because i'm on the bus no no, no in japan well yeah that <laughs> but in japan they've come out with i think it's an android app oh, I guess your phone. that lets you turn your phone to a 3ds hotspot it works with uh Docomo, I think. Is that one of the carriers over there? Do NT Docomo or something like that? Or am I mixing different carriers? It works with one of the carriers. And Chan basically made a deal where you could turn your phone into a 3DS hotspot. I guess that solved that problem. Yeah. Sounds like a 
battery killer. Oh, for sure. For both the phone and the 3DS. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. And that's another thing is what's battery life could be if you're constantly streaming. I guess it's no different than playing on normal online. You have to carry a lot of extra batteries. Yeah. But, Especially because you're on the go where you would presumably need your battery the most. That is true. Yeah. Well, for your phone at least. Yeah, yeah. And for the 3DS to some extent. That's but but the, the crazy thing to me is not even so much that, oh, Dragon Quest is streaming to the 3DS. It's the fact that the 3DS is going to have full game streaming by September 4th. That's like two months from now. How is that... They've been working on it for a long time. Like, that's just crazy if you stop and think about it. I mean, it opens up so many possibilities, not just for 3DS, but like Wii U too. I mean, is Nintendo going to let other third parties experiment with like cloud enhanced gaming kind of like xbox one you know where it's like on xbox one uh like you could do that thing where it's like oh we could double the number of enemies because we're pulling it from the cloud i forgot what game did that rise maybe yeah they said like oh somebody connected the graphics will bump up yeah so is nintendo gonna do that are we gonna see the wii u suddenly get a spec bump because they do a firmware update that lets it stream to a cloud like could it one day be as powerful as ps4 by mixing what we have on in our box right (laughs) here with what is on Nintendo's server farm in who knows where. Well, like, relating to that number of enemy things you said, does that mean, like, some games will have, like, a difficulty option that's, like, really, really hard, assuming you have an, a stable internet connection? Probably. Probably. Imagine, yeah, imagine, like, Hyrule... I mean, it obviously won't happen with Hyrule Warriors, but imagine if Hyrule <laughs> Warriors, your difficulty was based on a cloud thing. Like, it's yeah. possible. And then... And the enemies as far as the eye can see. Literally, it could. That's what's crazy, is the Wii U, hypothetically, now that Nintendo clearly is open to doing this, if they buy the servers and set it up, the Wii U can be just as powerful, if not more powerful, than the other systems. <gasps> it could be a Trojan horse this whole time, and we never knew. Not only that, but, like, this also opens up the possibility of, like, a virtual console Netflix service. Imagine if you paid ten bucks, it could stream any game in Nintendo's classic library of, like, NES tiles, or Super Nintendo tiles, or whatever. And they just stream to your system, PlayStation Now style. Nintendo's basically saying, yeah, it's doable on our systems. And not just on Wii U, but on 3DS. Because that's way less data being sent than what Dragon Quest X is doing. Like, this could... This is a... The fact that this is happening, hypothetically, is a game changer for Nintendo. If they do something. But knowing Nintendo, they're not going to do something. Because they can't even do cross-buy right. (laughs) So, So, who knows? But the potential... Is there? And I, it's if super they exciting. Get, if they hop on this first before everyone else, it's like, oh, they can't get across by right, but somehow. but hey, they got you. Well, that's kind of what they did with Miiverse. They leapfrogged right over. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, some things they don't get, other things they they get perfectly. Think, yeah, yeah, or well, I won't say perfectly, but really close to perfect. Well, Miiverse, it's still doing that annoying thing where. You go to your feed. Oh, and, and it randomly shows wrong info. Or, 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 or for some reason, it'll just show you all of one person's info. Yeah, like, yeah, sometimes like, like, why? Just mm-hmm. why? It's so annoying. I hate when that happens. Like, And it's annoying because like, on your phone, you can so just refresh really fast. It's been two years. Yeah, and they've added so many great features. You can embed Miiverse posts now. You can put line breaks in now. That's new. But yet, they can't fix the yeah, I feel like I've never written anything long enough that would need it. Well, I think once... Twitter did it. People just like to put line breaks for a dramatic effect or for like pacing of reading something. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, what I was saying about cross buy though, I guess this is a little detour. But um, there is finally some sort of cross buy on the eShop. Did you hear about this with Squid Odyssey over in Europe? Um, in Europe. Yeah, that's that's what's weird because it's again Nintendo. Well, can't being get, a Nintendo fan pays off. It, yeah, apparently, but Nintendo just can't get things right all the time. That's why I'm like, oh, the cloud would be so cool if they did it, but I don't know if they will because they can't even do cross buy. Basically what it is, is if you buy Squid Aussie on 3DS, you can get the Wii U version for free, only in Europe, and only with this one game. So, for, we never really ta- we haven't talked about Squid Aussie too much, but for those who don't know what it is, um, it's a strategy RPG, 
where you move your units in the game, which are squid, naturally. It's their odyssey, after all. And you, you move them by uh, essentially doing, like, an Angry Birds flick motion. Like, you fling them back and let go, and they, like, launch forward. Like, gooey squids, I guess. So, I mean, I guess all squids are gooey, but... So that's the game. But it's supposedly pretty good. It's getting pretty good reviews. But, uh... Yeah, so in Europe, the developer, the Game Bakers, was approached by Nintendo to do this. Nintendo of Europe like, hey guys, uh, you have these two games that are kind of the same. Do you want to do a cross-buy? And they're like, yes. And so for the price of one, you get two. And then they went to Nintendo of America and went, hey, your European buddies just said about this cross-buy thing. Can we do it here too? And Nintendo of America said, let me find it, they can not support this operation yet. I First of all, I don't think they that's need- the most cryptic... They could just say... I don't think they mean, like, supported as in, like, physically supported and are capable of doing it. It's like, we cannot support this morally because we don't want you to... <laughs> we want to double the money. Yeah, we we want double our commission. Yeah, we, we can't support this kind of this, justice. We can't support this socialist European agenda where you're sharing games between systems. Yeah, yeah. but no, it's, uh... It's... It's weird. Like, why can't Nintendo do this right? I don't get it. I mean, it's super cool that they approached the developer about it. They're clearly just testing the waters, to be honest, if I had to guess. I mean, between this and the fact that they're starting to sync up all their virtual console release dates, you know, Mario 3 came out the same day on 3DS and Wii U. Other games are going to do that, too. Uh, they're prepping. They're prepping. I just wonder why it's taking them this long. The, the linking of Nintendo Network IDs was half a year ago. They promised us a, a web-based eShop like a year ago, and we still don't have it. Why are they so slow at this? It's not that hard. It's really not. I guess for Nintendo it is. I could do it for I could do it right now. I would do it right now. I actually cannot, and I shouldn't be saying it's not hard because I have no idea what it entails. But I'm going to be that armchair analyst that I always am. That's what being a podcast is, and I'm going to say, Nintendo, get your act together. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I don't know. I, I will give them credit. There's something. Something's brewing. To their credit, they are doing something. There's a 3DS firmware update the other day. Did you download it yet? No, 8.0. Did you notice how long it took to download? Not really, because... For an update that only had stability changes, it took way longer than most updates that for stability changes. Well, and sure enough... 3DS was clearly very unstable before. No, no, no Yeah. But, uh... Sure it was. But... <laughs> the... No, I guess... <laughs> a lot of... What? Oh, you're just laughing a lot. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh... No, I was gonna say that the... The update, first of all, is a major number update. They don't go from 7 to 8 unless they have new features, and there were no new features. And it took the length of time to download as something with new features. And some indie devs have gone on record saying there's more to it than that. So there's something behind the scenes not in the change log. Mm -hmm. I wonder what it is. Can they legally do that? Are we entitled to know everything that is being changed in the 3DS? If it's fixing stability for an upcoming feature that wasn't stable until uh, it had this update, they well, I guess say the, yeah, I guess It's not going to be the actual change. It'll be the thing that leads to the change. Mm. It's like, it, like, they'll have to flip a switch server side or something, and then it turns on. I don't know. But something the 3DS brewing. become sentient. Yes, and they all attack us and kill us. And call me out for laughing too much, which is apparently an <laughs> issue now. <laughs> but, uh, going back to Japan. Get back to Japan, because we got on a total tangent with that. Uh, back we, to Japan. Back to Japan. Why don't we just stay there because we went to Europe? Because, <laughs> be, I don't know, because I didn't think this through right. Because I wanted oh, wow. to talk about cross-buy, but then I realized we still have to finish Japan. So back to Japan. Uh, the only other thing, the only other like surprise announcement was that Dempamen is going free-to-play. Now Dempamen, as you know, is the eShop series. They released three of them in, I think, just as many years. Like, one a year, basically. And it used to be like you pay ten bucks, you get this whole like mystery dungeon style RPG game where the battles play out like Dragon Quest, but the, you walk around like mystery dungeon. 
Uh, now, it's all the same thing, but it's going to be free-to-play. So you're still using AR to capture Dempamen in the air using Wi-Fi to randomize them. You're still, you know, exploring dungeons and making progress and getting items and whatnot. But the catch is, if you want new items, you pay for them. And they'll have limited edition items, and they'll have limit, limited time stage or limited time items, I should say, and limited time stages, and presumably you pay for those, although they haven't said yet. But still, it's interesting because we haven't seen a franchise on Nintendo system go from pay to free. Oh no, Steel tank, Diver? tank, tank. No, Steel Diver. Oh, that's true. Fine, let me rephrase. We haven't seen a game with the same gameplay go tank, from... Tank, Tank, Tank. Yeah, I already called that one out yeah, on myself. Yeah. Point is, it's not that common yet, I guess. Or I didn't think it was that common. Right, there has to be one more. No, there's only those. But, uh... Honestly, it, I think... I think this would get me to play Dempamen. I usually am not for free to play, but I played the demo and I'm like, oh, okay, Dempamen's kind of cool. Like, I don't know if I pay 10 bucks. But sure, as long as they don't, like, do the crappy free-to-play where they, like, force you to pay in order to... Play? In order to get progressed properly, like, if Pay-to-play asterisk? Yeah. Like, if they just let you... Like, Nintendo did that with Steel Diver, but I didn't mind it because I almost put market demo, but if they're doing full free-to-play with Dempamen, and then it's just, like, either you grind or you buy an item to speed it up, I would be okay with that. Like, I didn't think it was worth 10 bucks, but I would play up to a point where I would want to pay instead of grind, probably, and then probably pay. Like, this might be the hook they need to actually take the game seriously to the next level, because Templeman's been around for a while, but it's always kind of, like, under the radar, whatever. Well, sort of thing. I mean, Mystery Dungeon Crawler, Dragon Quest, things aren't exactly, like... Oh, they're not, yeah, they're not gonna like burn a mass, up the charts, like but... A, like a genre everyone loves, it's... But, I would still label that as pretty niche. Yeah, but I, w- I would say Templeman's even more niche within its genre. Well, that's than, it, yeah. Yeah, so they could at least boost it up to the same level as, like, Mystery Dungeon, maybe. But, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that because that was kind of weird. Or not weird, but kind of interesting that uh, Genius Sonor- Sonority, who makes it not, so- so- not Sorority, Sonority, Genius Sonority, that's their name. Uh, I thought it was kind of interesting that they pivoted so strongly towards free-to-play. Hmm. Hopefully it works out for them. Hopefully. Uh, they make Pokemon games, by the way. Hmm. They do all the non... They do all the console ones, like XD and that sort of stuff. Coliseum has all them. Huh. Yeah. So so one more one more total random like left turn and that's to this crazy rumor I mentioned at the top of the show. Uh it came out of nowhere, it's probably not true, but there's a report that Retro Studios and Monster Games are collaborating on Diddy Kong Racing two. The report comes from this newly created blog on WordPress by a random dude who claims he's a CG animator in films, animation, obviously, and games. And he goes by the name of Kevin Callahan, and there is a former THQ... We know a lot of information about this guy. It's in his blog. It's called Kevin Callahan Games. (laughs) And it has under it, I'm an animator in CG and TV and whatever. But, uh, and video games. And there is a guy with the same name at TH... Formerly of THQ, who was an animator. But no one knows if it's related in any way. Or if this guy's making it up and stole a name. And, I mean, honestly, it's probably not true. Take it with a big grain of salt, but... Or a lot of grains of salt. I don't know how you would do the plural of that. But uh, it's interesting and it's enticing and I want it to be true. So basically the idea behind the rumor is that uh, the reason Monster Games was porting Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D and the reason they worked with them on Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze and you know they did assistance with levels and whatnot is because they were actually working with Retro on Day Kong Racing 2 and these things kind of were... The, stu- the stuff, the progress we made with Diddy Kong Racing didn't work out quite as well as they hoped, so they put the assets into these other games instead, and that's how they helped with it. So, 
The idea is, according to the rumor, Diddy Kong Racing 2 began as a prototype back in 2006. And it was originally going to be a racer for the Wii where you're on vehicles that turn into animals inspired by the Donkey Kong Country series. So you would have the frog, for example, from Donkey Kong Country. And you'd be racing along and you hit a point where he turns into the frog and then he turns back into a vehicle. Coincidentally, in 2009, when Excitebots was released, it starred vehicles that turned into and out of animals. One of which was a frog that Aren't was... Aren't they always gr- animals? Not Excite Truck. No, I mean, in Excitebots, aren't they animals? Excitebots was announced two months before it came out. Oh. So yes, they were always animals, but it came out of nowhere. Which further backs this idea of why was it not announced properly. They announced it in end of March, or it was out in... No, they announced it, yeah, be, like, end of February, and it was out in April of the same year, in 2009. It was like a stealth release, and it bombed because of it. But, and the frog design of the car looks a lot like the frog design of from Donkey Kong, so... There's that well, connection. the frog design of Donkey Kong is a very like no, no, but like frog. yeah, yeah, but in terms of, like number of toes, number of like the spot color scheme, they're similar. The the Excite Bike one, or sorry, Excite Bots one is basically like they cranked up the vibrancy on the other guy. I like it so good. I want to. It's like they swapped just, out. just based off of memory because I've seen that frog that you're talking about, and I the frog's remember... red and the frog's red and yellow, like red with yellow spots, like kind of pinkish red, and the Excite Bots guy is like green with yellow spots. So they just changed the color. But he's pretty... I mean, granted, this is probably... This could be a guy conjecturing. Who knows if it's true? But it gets... I mean, he has some interesting points. I mean, because then... Um, they start... Supposedly, the reason it was cancelled was because Donkey Kong Barrel Blaster came out the year before and was not a good game, didn't sell well. And Nintendo went, uh-oh, maybe we shouldn't do Diddy Kong Racing. And then Diddy Kong Racing DS's remake, which was supposed to be a lead-in to the sequel, didn't sell as well as the original. The original sold 4 or 5 million on N64. The sequel sold somewhere around 1 to 2. So Nintendo again went, uh-oh, and decided, you know what, let's not do Diddy Kong Racing, but you already made a game, why don't we just call it Excitebots and you could push it out. Here's the first flaw with this rumor, right there. What company in their right mind goes, hey, remember that giant property we have, Diddy Kong and Donkey Kong? How about, even though the last two games didn't do so well, we put that aside and let you do this okay property that sold decently at launch because it was a launch game, but no one yeah, knows just what it I is. Thought, they look completely different. Let me see. Look at that. There's Winky. And oh, yeah, Winky's his name. Oh, he's in another tab. Oh, he's in another tab? The car has a gender? <laughs> Whatever. And here is said Winky. Hold on. Did you lose it? No, I'm going back to your other time. Oh. They have the same spot pattern on their back. No, they don't. The other one was like camo, and the other one just like two lines. Wait, wait, wait. This is great podcasting. Oh, you might be right. Well, keep in mind, they had to change it to make it on... If this is true. But they do have the same number of fingers and toes. Oh, my gosh. Generic frogs that are drawn always have, like, two, three toes. That is true. All right, yeah. so we'll let that one... Well, again, I said take this as a grain of salt. I'm just following his logic. And there... I mean... Yeah. It's like grasping at straws. That part is, maybe. But some of the other stuff does make sense. But again, it's just a rumor. But it's interesting, I think. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the other flaw that I was trying to say is... It doesn't even have the same number of toes. Yeah, it does. The frog... The vehicle has three... The, the vehicle has three. Uh-huh. One, two, and one you can't see. And this froggy has one, two, one, two, three, four. Hold on. You might be right. Yeah. All right, fine. Should I just stop talking about this completely yeah. now? Fine, you win. No, but I was going to say the, Objection. the, the other... <laughs> yeah, Man, I should have said that earlier. You should have had a sound bite ready to go. Damn it. Just, Objection! 
Uh, well, anyway, while you dig up that soundbite, I'll, I'll go back to the other flaw I found in this whole rumor, which did gain traction and got some buzz, and that's which is why we're talking about it. And that's that no company in their right mind will say, oh, our other game didn't sell us, so let's go with a game that sold even less. <laughs> and make that the sell, you know, make that the, theme, the franchise. But there is other hints that maybe there's some truth to this, because um, part of Daycon Racing... <laughs> Okay, maybe there's not truth to it, Mr. Phoenix, right? But part of uh, part of part of the new Daycon is going to be the vehicles transform: air, boat, car, just you know, kind of like in the original. So, following the logic of this, oh well, the reason Monster Games then went on to make Pilot Wings is Nintendo said, oh, you did some cool stuff with air-based vehicles, but you couldn't do that in Excite Bots. So why don't you take those air prototypes and put them into Pilot Wings? Which is like what? <laughs> so so that's like. Uh, I- I'm not disagreeing. I'm on your side on this. You don't need to tell me a whole. No, bit. no, I'm just like. Agree. Oh, you're just doing it for the rumor. Oh, keep going. We'll do it for every band. Yeah, rumor. like I, I was... okay. So there was that, which is kind of like insane. Uh, but if you keep if you keep going with this, you could the the rumor goes. Well, Donkey Kong Racing Two then got back into development when Donkey Kong Country and Donkey Kong Country Returns and um, Donkey Kong Country. Yeah, when those two. When they started selling well again, Nintendo went, oh, wait, maybe we have an opportunity now. And then Mario Kart Wii became one of the best-selling Wii games. And they're like, oh, people like kart racers again. So why don't we make Day Kong Racing 2? So that's supposedly what they did. And they got uh, one of their producers from over in Nintendo to oversee the project. And over the course of it, he, who also produced Dillings Rolling Western, said, wait a minute, we don't have Rare characters anymore because they're owned by Rare. Why don't we use lesser Nintendo characters, much like Rare put Conker and Banjo early on. So Dylan of Dylan's War and Western, yeah. I have an objection to that. I'm just telling you what he's saying, yeah. I know, well, no, not to you, I'm the messenger, don't shoot me. Yeah. No, yeah, because I mean, like, not having enough Rare characters didn't stop them from remaking Diddy Kong Racing. They still have all those characters. The only one they lost was Banjo. No, they don't have Tip Tub, they don't have Conker. Tip Tub was in there, wasn't he? Nope. They don't have Timber. Every character that's not Kong belongs to... Rare. The reason, Jose, the reason the reason um, Day Kong Racing DS was able to keep the characters is guess who developed it? Rare. They made a partnership with Microsoft. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. I take that back. Yeah, otherwise they don't have any of them. So Opposing objections from that other one. Yes, I would do overrule, but I don't have your soundboard. Uh, and I don't even know if they say that ever. So the idea was the producer from Nintendo was like, well, why don't we put in obscure Nintendo characters? So we can have, for example, Dylan from Dylan's Run Western... Uh, Mallow from from uh, Pushmo, uh, my favorite Rusty from Rusty's Real Deal Baseball, the pudgy dog. Like it would be super cool. And the idea he had, if this rumor was true, is that the characters would be fighting to become the next big Nintendo star. It's like a battle of the lesser. It's like if Smash Bros. the AAA characters. This is like the second fiddles. Someone on NeoGaf actually made a good joke that the game could have, if it came out, be called Diddy Kong Racing Second Banana, because Second Banana, you know, like Second Fiddle, and of course Bananas, and of course it's the second game. Oh, jumps! It would have been Whatever a perfect, would have been a perfect name. So that's where the rumor goes. Oh, look at, look at Timber. Yes. I'm glad we're looking at this some in a medium that other people can't see. He has he has Nintendo DS written on his hat. Tiger. He does indeed. Oh yes, this is the so, Day Kong so, remake. So, this is the Day Kong remake where they made Taj's uh, racist accent become a weird British creeper. Murderer. So Timber and um, Diddy mesh up at the same Nintendo logo. I guess so. I guess so. But uh, yes, I don't know if this the final piece of the puzzle in this rumor is that hey, did you notice that Diddy Kong's not in Mario Kart Seven or Eight, but he is in the other ones? That would line up with the time frame of the multiple developments for it. 
again. But what about that image that circulated in... That was fake. We know that was fake. It was? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the one with Birdo and all his other playable characters? Yeah, that was fake. For 8, right? We saw it during E3, right? No, 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 no. This was something else. This was just like a... It was just like an ad like before Mario Kart 8 came out. And it just it was just advertising the game Mario Kart 8. And it just had a little picture of Diddy. Well, the, we know he's not in it. But that was it. Yeah. yeah. That was like it. It might have been a store ad versus a Nintendo commission. It was like in Spanish or something. I don't remember. Yeah, it probably wasn't real. but um, Or made by Nintendo, I mean. But yeah, so that's the rumor. There are bits and pieces that make sense. And it would be super awesome. And I love the idea of a Diddy Kong Racing sequel. And not just a sequel, but one that has, like, the lesser Nintendo characters. Like, that's just... I just think that's super cool. I do, like, cool. the core gameplay of Diddy Kong Racing, like, a hundred times more than Mario Kart. So, I would Yeah, because like it has a single-player mode worth actually talking about. No, like, the actual, like, regular multiplayer. Like, oh, oh, gotcha. Like, I think the way I know they're handled there is, like, brilliant. Just because, like, not only are they not random, but, um... You could stack them. Like, if you want to waste them right away, you waste them. If you want right. to save them, you can stack them to make them more powerful. Right, right. They're always in designated locations, so... Yeah, there's you can like, be more strategic. There, there's basically no, ra- no random element. You're strategic. There's you no, ra- yeah. strategic. There's yeah. no random element. There you there's go. No ran- there's no blue shell. There's no anything. You sound so excited Just right now. Just pure skill. But, yeah, so maybe this will come true. Supposedly, they didn't announce... It was ready to show at E3, but they didn't want to kill the, the hype of Mario Kart 8. So they're like, we'll wait. We'll announce it next year. So if it's true, it'll be on Wii U next year. If it's not true, we just wasted 10 minutes of your time with a pipe dream and what amounts to nothing more than fan fiction. Who knows? We'll find out later this year, I'm sure. I personally don't think it's true. There's too many holes in the logic. You point out the frog, which I didn't even think of. And I even defended for some stupid reason. And then... Um, they really wanted it to be true. I did. That's the thing. And But then I found the loopholes with pilot wings and sight bots. So, who knows? That's pretty interesting fan fiction. Yeah. I mean, who knows? It's, it's, it's fun to talk about, if nothing else. And one other thing to talk about before we get to game impressions. This is actually from a listener... Uh, there's a fun, I'm being sarcastic here, there's a fun little situation with Chibi Robo, uh, for the 3DS recently, Chibi Robo Photo Finder, or whatever it was called, yeah, Photo Finder, uh, in the US? yeah, in Europe it's called Let's Go Photo, which is a way better name, but, um, uh, so basically, Nintendo's been doing the Nostalgia Challenges, which when we talked about when we first, uh, gave impressions of the game back in January, I believe, yeah, in our Marvel January episodes, we were talking about how, like, they're doing a single spot passing challenge. You take a photo of a certain object. You take it. You upload it. You vote on each other's photos. Winner gets a cool outfit for Chibi within the game. Great, right? It's great up to the point where they break the game. The latest nostalgia challenge a couple of weeks ago, you, it spot pass downloaded automatically, and then it literally broke the game. If you open the Chibi PC, which is the main menu to do anything in the game once you open your save file, would crash the game and your 3DS. Wow. And Nintendo was radio silent. This is what's weird. They fixed it uh, just the other day. I think, like, on Thursday or Friday of this past week, they fixed it. So it's now resolved, but for, like, three weeks or something, they didn't say a word. And so our this listener who brought to our attention, uh, Johnny, he's, I believe he's been a listener for a while, actually, so thanks, thanks, Johnny. Uh, but he, he brought it to our attention, just like, yeah, this is kind of weird, you guys want to talk about it, so here we are talking about it. And I think now that's resolved, the real the real issue is Nintendo get, kind of going back to the Nintendo never does anything perfect, like, you know, cross-play, they screwed up. Uh, you were saying how even Miiverse isn't perfect. They have a platform to tell you they know of a bug. Why would they maintain radio silence? If I was them or anyone, like, I mean, I work on websites for my job, like forum communities and whatnot. So when something goes wrong, we post we're aware of it and we're fixing it. We don't just sit silently. It's great that they did fix it quickly. A couple weeks is a pretty good turnaround for a game. Yeah, bug. that's what I was impressed about. Like, that, that sounds, I don't know, I think that's kind of cool that Nintendo can actually, like, 
just they've done it before. Around. Pokemon X and Y had a bug. Mario Kart 7's 1.1 multiplayer yeah, version. That day. And that is very true. And what's interesting about this is not only did they fix it, but they fixed it with another spot pass. Not like an actual like update. They just somehow uncorrupted the data or something. I don't know how they did, but it would be great if Nintendo actually like said something up front. It just seems like a very kind of a weird oversight. I know it's not the best selling game, but there were people that were. If we don't acknowledge it, we get to keep our perfect record. Basically. Our not so perfect. Yeah, our better than. 80%. Yeah. Perfect, I guess. But, but yeah, it, just, it was very strange that they didn't say a word. So, naturally, people like Johnny and other Tribute Robo people who are still, you know, fans who are still playing it pretty actively, they were kind of upset and rightfully so, kind of freaking out about it. So, I'm glad that, I'm glad that Nintendo actually addressed it. They just need to be more on the ball with answering sooner. But that leads to an interesting thing of, we never have mentioned this before, but if there's anything anyone out there wants us to talk about, any topic, any game, our take on any situation, we would love to answer questions, give our thoughts, do whatever. There's always ways to contact us. Like, John is just the first one that actually did it, so thanks for that. But um, on the website, we have the comments section. You can email us through the contact form or directly at contact at ramtown.com. And, of course, we're on Twitter, at Nintendo or us individually, which we'll plug at the end of the episode. So if you do want us to talk about something in particular, you yeah, want to take on something. Do you want Jason to beat a game again? If you want me to be a game again, get in touch. And I can't guarantee the game, but I can guarantee <laughs> the topics of conversation pretty easily. So I, I'm serious, by the way. Because, I mean, you guys are the ones listening. You guys are the ones that should, it should be things you're interested in or care about. So let us know. Don't tell us what we shouldn't talk about, because <laughs> that'll make me sad, because there'll be things I like talking about, and then you'll be like, no one cares, and I'm like, oh, it's true, no one does. So just just, just, just things you do want us to talk about. Now well, we're going like, to get, well, like, ten well, emails. Well, if every listener unanimously doesn't want to talk about a certain thing, then at that point it's like, well... Well, obviously, I was just yeah. kidding. But now we're going to get, like, ten emails. <laughs> no, we're going to talk about them because of pride. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to ten emails that are like, Jason laughs too much, because apparently I now laugh too much. And I'll be like, man, I'll stifle myself. I'll right, clarify what that meant. Just... I know, it was, like, it was like a back-to-back. Like, I was about to say something, but then I laughed instead. Yeah, you and did then... it like three times in a row. Like... I know, because I was also trying... I was like... <laughs> <laughs> well, now, you're, now I sound like... Wow, that made me sound like very stilted and thick. But you know what? We're, we're this, this podcast is falling apart. I don't know how we're still recording. But we have games to talk about, so let's do that. Um, Armillo was a ball. It was. It was. So that's the first game I'll talk about. Well, I guess we'll do the two indies and then wrap up with totally polar opposite Transformers. <laughs> I love how the episode is indie games, and then we have the most, like, licensed, like, literally a game that was made for a movie by one of the biggest publishers in the world. For random Nintendo for a reason. Yeah, it is pretty random. So Armillo, that's a, that's a good one to start with. It's, um, that was a very loud knuckle crack. So, um, we both have Armillo. Yeah. So I, I mean, how how I'll, I'll take the lead, I guess, and you can jump in with any thoughts as I go. Yeah. All right. So for those that don't know about Armillo, it's a 3D kind of roly poly platformer. It's like it's kind of like Marvel Madness and Monkey Ball meets a little bit of Mario Galaxy, just in terms of their spherical world. Yeah. Not just, much beyond that. Just yeah. Just the aesthetic. World. It's kind of like the whole yeah gravity thing in Mario Kart. It's just like for looks. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and there's the Sonic Spin Dash move in there too. If that's his charge move, it's basically Sonic Spin Dash. So um. So you're kind of just rolling around these levels. They're semi-linear. There's like paths that you roll down, but it's it's less about combat and like enemy plat, you know, enemy attacking and more. Although there's lots of that, but it's more like uh, about zigzagging through these labyrinthy sort of like it's somewhat linear, but also kind of like it's like a mini collectathon. Yeah, like, that's kind of like, 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 like find all the secrets, like go through every single little path you could possibly find. Yeah, you want to get every secret, you want to get everything. Your main goal is to collect orbs and critters. Critters. 
when you do have a gun are your ammunition, but you're also saving them. I don't know how that works. How do you save something if you're going to shoot it at an enemy when they're entrapped by the enemy and you're the one saving them from said enemy? Well, I mean, it wasn't really established. I mean, you could tell that these critters and Armilla were already friends beforehand. Maybe They, they were. Fact, maybe they they, were. maybe their bodies, which is never explained, are, like, can be used as ammunition. Maybe they don't feel pain. We don't know that. That's true. It's like a Guinness. We should program. have a very deep philosophical debate about the critters and their role in the society, in the world of our military. I mean, like, we, like we meet them, and it's like, okay, you, so you guys are geniuses and capable of being used as ammunition, and oh yeah, they're super everything. smart. That's right. Yeah, like they, they, they can they, hack computers. They, they kind of do everything. Like we just, all right, so they're these, these they're are... jacks of all trade, basically. Yeah. But beyond they look like the, water droplets, yeah. But beyond beyond the critters as creatures as as uh, it, creatures of mystery. There is the game too, which um, it really a lot of it remind me so much of like late '90s platformers, just like that that era of like N64 and PS1 mascot games. There's like you know everyone was making one. You know there's Mario and Crash and and Spyro, but there's also like Gex the Gecko and like Barman Hero, which is like Barman, but suddenly it's a platformer for some reason, and like Chameleon Twist and like all these like I think well I think oddball. If any game comes out with an animal mascot, it's going to feel that way. No, no, but I mean, it channels that vibe. It has kind of that same, like, I don't even know what the word is. I kind of hope that he made a mock-up ad if his game were to come out in the 90s. He did. They did. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's great. That I, I, I love the fact that, because everyone's going way back to the 80s. I mean, even Shovel Knight, which we'll get to in a bit. It's modern in many ways, but it harkens back to yeah, 80s. People still... Yeah, they're still obsessed making games that are yeah, NES so, inspired. Right, so it's, well, they're cheaper. That's part well, of yeah, it. But no, I know, but, I know. But it's, I know, it goes back to the whole, like, oh, um, RT2D side scrollers. I mean, they're yeah, yeah, to make. It, yep. Which is really nice getting a game like this because, like, there really hasn't been an indie game like this at all. Yeah, and that's what's so great is it really, it, it's a whole different era. It's more my era. Like, I mean, we're, and yours. I mean, we're, yeah. we're, and, you know, we're in our mid 20s. Well, this yeah. makes us sound old. So, uh, and usually, we grew up with N64 a lot. Yeah. So. And PS One. Usually, when like when I heard about this game, like usually when any kind of like three D game comes from indie, like I'm usually kind of skeptical in the beginning. Like, all right, I have to really make sure I know a lot about this before I get it, because usually, like they end up falling short yeah. on their promise. But this one, I think no, yeah, definitely. I mean, especially considering like how many people worked on it. Yeah, it's like three guys. Yeah, like you could. I mean, not like not in a bad way. Like you could tell that it was yeah. worked. Like that it's yeah. a small studio, because I mean, like they there is like some pretty obvious things like. There's yeah. Th- yeah, there's things. I'll, I I kind of have like a uh, yeah. The, uh, when we when we get to like yeah, I'll let me run through that. the gameplay because I was gonna say I did have a few thoughts on that when we talked about like graphics and sound and what. Yeah, Actually, yeah. it sounds super good. Yeah, because there was one point that you made them like yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, uh, yeah, no, right. yeah so I'll, sorry if you're wondering why we're like <laughs> dancing around it. I do have notes on this because I want to make sure I get to all the things I actually want to say about our middle. Because like I really like the game, but there were a few things I want to point out, good and bad. Mostly good though. But I was going to say, for example, like the orbs I was mentioning, those are actually, they're more than just a collect-a-thon. Like, the collect-a-thon element is nowhere near as bad as, like, the heyday of these games. Like, it's light collect-a-thon. You're really just going around and going through every nook and cray. Yeah, you only collect just because it's... It well, powers the shop. Well, basically. yeah, yeah. not only that, but, um, I don't know, it was, like, fun. Like, the levels are, like, fun enough that, like, I want to, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. collecting is never too tedious. Like, you never are going too far off the beaten path. It's always just like, oh, here's a nook yeah. and cranny. Yeah, like, usually, like, just by playing the game normally, like, you will find everything you need to progress through the whole thing. Yeah. It's only if you want to get, like... I mean, I guess, my book's being the shop. Like, the shop yeah. gives you power-ups, everything Extra costs, health, like, extra lives. Like, yeah. extended health, extended life, total. Yeah, like random stuff like that. Power ups. Like, everything costs like around like a hundred something. So like two fifty for most of them. So you'll have to like probably replay a few levels if you want to get everything. 
Yeah, and I mean, and the thing is, when you're exploring, you're doing all this light puzzle solving along the way, and that's really the meat of the game. Like, you're doing these puzzles to get to these orbs to beat the level. So, there's stuff like, you know, um, there's little mazes where you're in a wall, like a thing of blocks, and each block only lets you in a certain direction, and you have to figure out how to weave through all the blocks to get to the other side and not fall in the pit. So there's that sort of puzzle. There's also... Yeah, that's that's an interesting... It is mechanic interesting. Because yeah. um, the whole, like, pretty much, um, depending on how many crudity you collect... Um, determines how much time you have in these uh, in this like bonus after level world yeah so which we, is like the monkey ball super monkey balls banana collecting yeah games. so it's like oh yeah 40 seconds to collect all the orbs you can and i don't know those like they give you just enough time like if you collect every quarter like i was able to get every orb but like with like zero seconds left basically yeah so in situations like that, some of these puzzles, like even even the one I was just talking about with those blocks, where it kind of gets you, where you have to like you know find the right path. It actually sometimes pays to find the wrong path because you get the critter, yeah, but or the orb or whatever it happens to be that you need. Um, but there's also some more creative puzzles because that one's kind of like okay, blocks, sure. Like they have this really cool mechanic with like a dark world where there's these portals randomly in the stages, and you go and it goes to like this like opposite world where it's this toxic air. You only have a limited amount of time to get to another portal in that world. But when you're in that toxic world for those few minutes or a few seconds, you have to do something, be it get a key or see a pattern for a door, and then you jump back to the real world and you remember, okay, it was left, right, bottom, up, or whatever, and then you go match that pattern. Or there's actually one really cool one. I think it's World like 2-2 two, two or something like that, where uh, you go through the whole level, and then you race back to the whole level in the dark world, but with the time limit and enemies and stuff. So you like there's little time in like time bonuses you can collect to keep going, but basically... You're back. You're like doing a backtrack of the entire level, but in like the super chaotic dark world, where everything's like much more rushed, and there's still orbs to collect and whatnot, if I remember correctly. But it just, I thought it's just a really cool idea, yeah, going the, one way then coming back yeah, the, the other. Yeah, the chaotic world is definitely cool. It changes up the yeah, and it's and not very many games have done something like that. Like they'll have dark world, night world, but it's never like even Zelda does that. But it's never like ten seconds here, twenty seconds there. It's usually a little like yeah, deeper. The, the, the closest thing, which is even not that like similar that I could think of, is um. In Warrior World, if you follow the stage, because oh yeah, you fall into like that that pit where you yeah. have to like fight your way back out, otherwise you lose money and whatnot. Yeah, and that's not even, it's similar, but not like that similar. Yeah. yeah. Another kind of unique thing were the boss battles. Like they're not really boss battles as much as they're boss levels in in, in their entirety. Like the boss fight spans the length of a level. You just go into these like arenas along the way, but you're still doing a level. It's just light. On, it's just lighter on puzzles. That's that's kind of cool because usually boss fights like. Especially in like Mario games or really any platformer, it's like okay, boss. <laughs> like you yeah. go, you do whatever to get to the boss, and it's like boss. This one you're bouncing back and forth, and there's one level in particular where like literally, as you're going through each of the three like arenas with the boss, the level keeps switching themes. So it's like lava, then uh, ice, then lava, then ice, and it's like literally flipping on dime. It's just kind of cool to see the world like morph right yeah, there. Yeah, boss there. levels are definitely nice change of pace. Yeah, I like that a lot. And another thing they did, because clearly there's not enough variety here, another thing they did is 2D stages, which, um, they're supposedly bonus stages, but in order to unlock the boss level in each world, there's five worlds in total, you have to find this, um, you have to get to one of these bonus stages, and you do that scattered around the levels kind of randomly, or a special, I don't know what they are, they're like cube-looking things, but you grab them, and they unlock the boss stage, or the bonus stage, which you then can access through the shop. And the bonus stage is 2D, it's like neon soaked. It's uh, it's flat. It's like, flat. It's totally side scroller two D. But it it actually feels like a whole different game, which it was at one point. Originally, they were two separate games, and they merged them. And um, it's super like it's like like I said, it's really like neon. 
and super heavy chiptune music, which is different from the other music in the game. You also earn a double jump. You get a double jump instead of, yeah, well, the button that usually does your sonic spin dash style move then becomes a double jump. And what you're doing in these levels is it's not really like exploration in the same way as the 3D. Like there, are, there aren't really nooks and crannies. You're kind of going down a set path, but you're zigzagging all over this map. Up, down, left, right. There's little neon lines you take to like jump around, like transport you basically. There's um, all sorts of like interesting mechanics. Whereas one, one of them, the, the stage rotates 90 degrees every time you, t- you uh, hit a certain icon. It's like literally to hurt, to get certain orbs, which of course you're collecting because that's what you're always collecting. Um, like you're literally flipping the stage like in upside down, and then suddenly the roof is the floor, and that gets you to a new section. Or they do a clever take on the auto scrolling concept of like a Mario game where a stage moves by itself where uh, you actually start shrinking. Like, you grab an item and you start shrinking, but instead of instantly shrinking like a mini mushroom would do, or in Mario, you slowly shrink. So you have to get through the gaps when you're the right size. I mean, hypothetically, you can get super spawn, still go, but to keep up with it and get there by the end of the time, because these stages are, have a time limit, you're actually, like, shrinking as you go. And it's like, you literally, if you go too fast, you can't get through because you're too big for the gap, and then a second later, you're smaller. And then the camera starts zooming in, so what looked really small a minute ago is now suddenly big and normal size. It's a cool concept. I've never seen a game do that before. And they're just kind of like, they are like they feel like a totally different game, but I actually really like them. And the gamepad, this is the one place where the gamepad's really kind of put to use because it shows a map of the whole stage. Again, they're kind of linear, so it's not like a necessity to have that map, but it's kind of cool to see like, wow, I really did like a giant like spiral on this stage. And I didn't realize it because you could see on the map how they sent you every which way. You know what's funny? I never looked at the gamepad once the whole time I was playing the game. It so, does have off-TV play. So did you ever use off-TV play? Well, that's the thing, because like, <laughs> when you're playing normal um, Armillo mode, like, yeah. it just mirrors it. So I just figured, okay... Wait, it doesn't mirror it. Do you have it on by default? It, if you're playing normal Armillo mode, what shows on oh, the bottom screen have... normally is uh, just like the HUD. So it'll show your you health, your I must, have, I must have had it set to off-TV play. Yeah. So I just figured, like, okay, it's going to mirror it the whole time, so I just never looked at it. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, if you have it on... If don't have off-TV play on, which is just... I think if it's just an icon on the home screen, or maybe you can hit select... But uh, it'll show, like, the bomb screen literally will be basically nothing during the main game. It's just your HUD, which keeps the top screen nice and clean, which is nice. And then in the 2D stage, it's that map. And it's like a full zoomed-out view of the map. So as things are zooming in and moving around, you kind of get a bird's-eye view of what's going on. Makes sense. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we did kind of touch on that. It was made by only three people. So considering it's made by only three people, I have to say the production value is actually super impressive. I mean, that's not to say it's... Um, the best looking game in the world. It's like when we're saying like, oh, it looks really good for a game only made by three people. But see, that almost sounds condescending, which no, no, I'm yeah. not trying to be. Because no, some no, parts no. look really it does good. Because it does look like a really good... The texture good... work... Yeah, sorry. No, it's, it's, it does look like a really, really good game overall. Yeah, like, the texture like, 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 like the quality is like top notch. Like, we'll say that. Yeah, and the texture work on some of those textures looks really good. Like, it looked... Like some of the rock textures and stuff, or like the lava... Not lava, but the uh, lava rock texture, the black lava rock. I thought that was really good. Yeah, like, I mean, parts it looks of it like actual nice. effort was put in instead of just like snapping together a 3D game in there. Yeah, and they did a great job with putting in detail, like a lot of attention in detail. They have, um, you know, as you're rolling around the stage, the camera does all these swooping angles. Sometimes it's to the left, sometimes it's to the right. You're directly above, you're to the side, you know, that sort of stuff. Because it's somewhat controlled environments, so they can do that. But you'll see stuff like, oh, they actually have stuff in the background. Like, there's a, there's clouds in the sky. There's there's critters forming different arrows pointing you in different directions just kind of hanging out in the background so when you roll past an area they kind of like follow you for a second and flutter away like uh there's all sorts of little touches but but 
at the same time, not everything that immediately perfect. For example, I personally am not a fan of the dialogue boxes whatsoever. Yeah, they're kind of hard. Yeah. The font's kind of weird, and they look kind of, I don't know, not great. But I, but honestly, if you have a game that's good enough that someone's like, you know, I, I just don't like the dialogue boxes, you have a pretty good game. Yeah, I was gonna, yeah when I saw the dialogue boxes, also, I was like, it just looks... It looks out of place. It looks overly simple compared... Because like the, the rest of the game looks good, and then when you put the dialogue box next to it, it looks like it's from a different game. Yeah, even the menu has its own separate look that looks pretty nice. But then, the, I don't know what it is about that. But also, they just look like overly simplistic. I guess. Yeah, I and know. I do like the little hand-drawn characters in them. I just... Something about the implementation. And the font. I'm not a fan of the font. But... The other thing I wanted to mention as well was that the thing that you were waiting to say, the dialogue boxes. Yeah, because I'm yeah. like, wow, like, I totally... Yeah, yeah. The the other thing is there's some frame rate issues. Fuzzy Wuzzy Games is aware. They're working on a patch. But just be mindful that if you're buying it during the intro period where it's only $6, which lasts um, just a little longer, I think, till the end of July, uh, you will bump into a couple frame rate issues. I don't normally notice frame rate issues, ever. But I definitely noticed them here. There's some noticeable slowdowns. So just be aware. It doesn't hinder the game completely. It's only for a second or two. It's only first pass. So like, if you die and go back to that same spot, the slowdown's gone. It's just that like, first pass. Well, like, considering, like, um... I mean, it's not like... I'm not thinking in a bad way or anything. Sure. But, um, like, the majority of games that we've played, like, are usually, like, first-party Nintendo games. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Super so, polished. So, so, you're, so you're usually never going to encounter frame rate issues. That's, like, something you encounter usually when you, like, have another console. Like even yeah. like first party PS3 games are well, not rare, not usually, but any actually almost all third party games have like frame rate issues, and you can notice it right away, mm-hmm. especially from coming from Nintendo games. They usually have like Which are silky like, like sixty frames per like per second and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that that did kind of stick out. There's actually one or two instances. There's where, one where like the game just stops moving, and I'm like, yeah, for, yeah, load? in the first level yeah. for like a split second or two. Yeah, I thought it was loading something, and I just like, accepted it because yeah. I remember. Almost a, a lot of Valve games, like mainly like Portal, the Portals and um, Half Life. You're just walking along. There's no indication of like a stop or any kind of like border. Mm-hmm. You're just walking on the game just stops, and then you're like, what? And then it just <laughs> says loading, and you wait for a while, and then it just keeps going. It's not like you. They didn't even try to hide it, so it just becomes part of the game. But right, it was just kind of drawing the first time. Yeah, it was. I it was a little expected, but again, they are patching it. At least with our most, so um, there's that. And I also wanted to, I kind of alluded to it, but the music's really good. Like, really good. I, I remember they tweeted something about, like, the majority of the file space this game takes up is the music, because it's, like, super high quality. But, um, yeah, like, it's really varied. There's, uh, I mentioned the chiptune in 2D, but then, like, there's this rock stage, like, a rock theme stage, so naturally had a lot of, like, guitars and stuff, and then there's other stages that sound totally different, and it's all pretty catchy. I was impressed with music. They even have some voice acting, which for a, a tiny indie game is pretty impressive. With some filters over it and stuff, so it sounds more messy than just a guy going, um, you're dead, Armillo, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. But um, And and sound effects are pretty good, too. Armillo has a nice crunchy rolling sound when he goes over hard surfaces. I don't know if you know this because you're using off-TV play, and maybe it's just me, but I feel like the EQing on the sound, it seems like the sound effects for Armillo himself are louder on the gamepad than on the TV, which is actually a really nice touch because, like, the TV, yeah, that's the world. Gamepad is your character. So it makes sense that the gamepad would have slightly louder character sound effects versus the TV. Maybe it was a placebo effect or something. But, like, his little, like, crunching, like, rolling sound, I definitely noticed it more well, on the gamepad. volume up on your gamepad. And on the TV. They were equal volume, roughly. Closer to you. I mean, maybe. I tried turning down the gamepad to see how it sounds. That's probably what it is, but I just, I just thought that was nice regardless of who did it. <laughs> so, so yeah, I would say, I mean, for six bucks, Armillo's a steal. It's not the longest game. You could be in, like, four or five hours tops. But, or let me rephrase, you can complete it. 
If you want to get hundred percent, you gotta go back. But um, yeah, that's like ninety percent of games. Yeah, but so it's not the longest game. But you know, considering the production value minus dialogue boxes, considering the uh, you know the unique stuff they're doing, I would I would recommend it at the full eight bucks when it hits that price in August, and I would definitely say get it for six. It's really it's really cool. I, part of it's my love of N sixty four platformers that this kind of embraces, but. A lot of it's just, it's a really good, unique game. There's nothing else like it on the eShop, for sure. Oh. What, what would you say? Would you recommend it? Yeah, yeah, I would, especially for the price. Even for 8 bucks. I mean, if It's a steal. They could have totally gotten away with 10 Yeah, especially because, like, there's other games that are, like, quality-wise just as good that are getting away with, like, $14 payments, even yeah. if they're not as long, or yeah. just as long. Like, I mean, I feel like this could have easily been in the $10 range, and easily. it would have still felt justified. And especially because they've been working on it since 2011. You would think, you'd think they'd want more money off it, but hey, it's great. For- and, or not even offer a discount. But- yeah, but, well, the discount, see, they've been super good about communicating with fans. Like, the discount was an apology for the delay, well, yeah, that's which, right. I, mean, which I just think is crazy that I mean, they, they didn't did even have Who to does do- that? I mean, that's, that's so like, nice. They didn't have to do that. Yeah, like, I've never heard of a company doing that. The game was so. already cheap enough as it is. I agree, but, so yeah, definitely check it out. And the type of thing is, like, if if you were a kid of the '90s, you're gonna feel right at home with this. It it definitely has that vibe to me. But then again, if you're a kid of the '80s, or if you just want to take a trip further back, there's another eShop game that does that pretty well. To put yeah, it lightly, if you're a kid born in the last ten years, you're out of luck with these games. Yeah, I'm Can't, sorry. And you, you, why are you listening? You're to not this? gonna go, be, go. You're not gonna relate. You're not gonna care. And I mean, if you're a nine year old, what are you doing listening to this? You should be like, actually, I don't know what nine year olds do anymore. <laughs> so play so. Cartoon Network games on. Why aren't you playing? Why aren't you Minecrafting your 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 Snapchats and and YouTubing your vines? And actually, that was made too made too much sense. The joke didn't work. It was too too logical. Uh, but yeah. So the other game we're gonna talk about, of course, is Shovel Knight. Which, uh, yeah, like I said, kind of like Armillo was a '90s thing. Shovel Knight's an even more of an '80s thing. And you haven't played this one, right? This is all me. I mean, you play the 3DS version a little, because Elvis has a copy. A little, just to yeah. see the 3D effect. Which is super out. nice. Yeah. yeah, it's like you're playing like a little diorama. Yeah, and it has really cool parallax scrolling, too. But, uh, yeah, so I bought the Wii U version. And just generally speaking about Shovel Knight, it's really, I mean, it looks like a retro 80 game, 80s game, but it's really an extremely well-done mix of old and new. Like, it's not just a retro game. It's It, it kind of feels like the team, like a team of modern-day developers fell into some sort of time warp, ended up in the 80s, and went... Well, we know what they like in 2014. Let's use 80s technology to make it happen. Like, it definitely has, like, that interwoven new and old vibe. I mean, on the retro side, you have a Mega Man-style platformer. You're going stage by stage. You're defeating bosses at the end of each one. Uh, each time, it's a different evil knight with a different power. All part of this or or yeah, all part of this order called the Order of No Quarter. And they're out to take over the kingdom. And you, as Shovel Knight, have to defend the kingdom. And, you know, it's, it's standard game, game stuff. No, that's because you want to save your... You want to find out... You got... What? Oh, you got... Well, I mean, you do save yeah. the kingdom. Yeah, I mean, you're not... That's not your... You're saving the kingdom to achieve another goal, but you're saving a kingdom. Uh, but the, the game... Yeah, and the game... not It's not just Mega Man. It's a whole bunch of different inspirations, too. I mean, you got the DuckTales down Spike with his shovel as your main attack. You have Zelda 2's uh, side-scrolling town and the ability to buy items and whatnot. You have... Any side-scrolling town, for that matter. What? It's all side-scrolling town. Like... Looks straight Castlevania out. Castlevania 2. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, kind of, so that sort of thing. And then you have, like, the overall map that's literally copy-pasted out of Mario 3, which is fine. It looks fun. 
And then you have, like, shortcuts from, like, the original Super Mario Brothers. Like, you can run on the top of the screen, like, where the health bar is and stuff. Like, it's just... It just keeps going and going. Like, everything's a reference to something. But then, at no the original same time... Idea. What? That's a no original idea. Yeah, hey, that's true for our culture as a whole. Sampling culture. That's all we are now. Oh. We sample, we remix, we copy. But, but to... I mean, even what I'm about to say about the new stuff, even that's borrowed from other things. But that's the thing, is there... Within all this familiarity, there is still some element of new. Like, newness. I mean, there's fully customizable controls, which for a retro game on a non-emulator is unheard of back in the day. You know, you can never do that. There's, um, what was I going to say? They have achievements, but they call them feats, but they have achievements. That's a very modern idea. They have super creative level design at times. I mean, there's one stage, like, you know how every side-scrolling game now has a silhouette stage where it's, oh, look, you only see Donkey Kong by his tie and his shadow, or, oh, look, here's Lost in Shadow, or the whole game is a shadow, or, like, every game does that now, right? Rayman did it, everyone does it. Uh, Mario 3D World did it. They do it too, but because it's flat, because it's all pixel art, they came up with a really clever way to do silhouettes in that you, it's literally dark. You don't really see anything, but then every couple seconds, lightning flashes. So you have like a split second to go, oh, the platform's over there, and then time your jump and figure it all out. Like the Donkey Kong level where everything's dark, the factory. But you see more, don't you? Or do they do lightning flashes too? Well, it's all like pitch dark, and you can only see Donkey Kong. Right. But you literally can't see anything at all, and then occasionally like, the lights will go on and a little off. Oh, so it is like Donkey Kong. So they're borrowing from that. And then, then. you, yeah, you have to like yeah. kind of figure out where the platforms are. Yeah, because that's basically what they do. And the lightning flashes are super brief. Yeah. yeah. There's like one every five seconds, maybe. Ten seconds. Yeah. But yeah, just like the idea that they're like, you know, because uh, old school platformers are one thing, but to integrate the idea of like silhouette levels in a clever way is a new thing. And they also did away with like the concept of lives, which is kind of a more modern idea. Very similar to Dark Souls in that if you die some of the stuff you've collected, in this case, your loot, essentially, the jewels and whatnot you find along the way, they will just kind of hover there in these bags with angel wings. And if you go back to the spot, you can get them back if you touch them. But, of course, sometimes getting back to the spot's a little harder, and you start losing your money if you can't, you know, reclaim it. So that's very Dark Souls-esque. Also very Dark Souls-esque and very kind of modern feeling is the idea of having messages from players being left behind in certain spots. So this is actually exclusive to the Wii U version, and uh, this is why I bought the Wii U version. I thought it was a really cool idea, and I'm very happy with the purchase. Even with the 3DS having super cool 3D, parallax, scrolling, multiple levels, looks like the diorama, like you said. Even with all that, I really like this feature, and I'm glad I got the Wii U version for this reason. In that, um, they call it the Digger's Diary, and basically, the gamepad, at all times, unless you're in off-TV mode, is showing one of three menus. You have your relics, which are your, your power-ups, your items, which are like potions and whatnot, and then the Digger's Diary. And how it works is if you leave that open on the gamepad while you're playing, every time you enter a new room, because like a lot of NES games, it's a you know room by room, a room with a challenge, you do that, you move on to the next. When you enter those rooms, it will literally just pop in comments from people for that room. The room, the digger diary can get down to the room by room level of every level. Like it's that specific. So you can get tips of, you know, someone could be like, oh, there's a secret to the left. That could be helpful. You could have someone going like, oh, I can't get past this point. Like, oh, good, I'm not the only one that sucks at this. You can, they can have drawings, you know, people can put drawings, they can put words. It's all kind of 8-bitified. So, like, there's no me's because how you do an 8-bit me, they would have to, I don't know how they would, you know, translate that. So you got to pick any game sprite and use that as your icon. But then, like, everything else is 8-bitified. The reply icon, the yeah count. They don't even call them yeah, they call them verily. And that's written in, like, 8-bit. And it's all very... And, like, the text in the box when it's not a drawing, when it's actually a handwritten message, it's just the classic, you know, that NES font that every game used. 
it's it's really cool how they like took such a modern concept and really like ape bitted it. Hmm. I don't know how else to describe it. And it's super helpful. Like I I really like having just leaving it on. It's just like a constant feed. You can scroll. It's usually like six or eight messages per room. You can scroll with a big arrow on the left, or they'll scroll themselves. So if you're just going through the stage and you glance down, you might see something useful. It's it's super cool. And much like uh, Mario U, when you com- complete accomplishment, whether you clear a room or you be a boss, whether you're dying a number of times, it'll actually the Digger Diary icon will actually flash yellow. Not like in your face, just like the logo will kind of pulse. And then um, if you press it, it'll be like, hey, you just did this or that. Do you want to make a Miiverse post about it? So that's like the Mario thing, but not in your face. It's just there on the bottom screen along with the other comments. It's a really cool implementation. Like It might be one of my favorite uses, if not my favorite use of Miiverse thus far. Because it just makes perfect sense. And they did such a good job of integrating it in a way that's not intrusive, but still like there when you need it. So I, I thought that was super cool. But um, what was I going to say? Uh, but yeah, I mean, besides the gameplay. The gameplay, like I said, it's a mix of a bunch of different games. It's pretty standard 2D it's just super good 2D, like, action platforming. But the, what the game really, like, does beyond that is it has so much personality. It really, like, it really has an identity of its own. Like, there's definitely a sense of humor throughout. I mean, you have a village inhabited by all sorts of weird human-animal hybrid things. There's a goat magician named Goatitian. I mean, that should sum it. Actually, you know what sums it up even better? There's a trout-apple hybrid hybrid named a Trouple. A Truple King. Truple, Truple, I don't even know how to say it. T-R-O-U-P-P-L-E. And he literally looks like an apple and a trout. And he's extremely happy. And he gives you potions. And whenever he gives you potions, he does like a two-minute long dance with all his fish friends. You can skip it at one point. But it's like this whole elaborate, like, cheesy, like, it's great. That it, dance looks really, really good in 3D. Does it? Yeah. Uh, it looks amazing. Man. Now I wish I could See, have... personally, like, I'd probably stick with the 3D by. anyway, just because, um... Yeah, cross by. That should have... This is why we need cross by. Yeah, but but yeah, because I guess I'm someone that doesn't really care too much to read about other people's notes. Oh, it's super helpful for finding secrets. That's why I'm primarily using it. Well, yeah, well, it's yeah. like a personalized strategy guy. No, yeah, but I feel like, well, I guess like for those games, like for playing those kind of games, like usually, like I like to look at. For any health games, like I just like to go to every single little spot. Like I'm gonna encounter every secret, secret no matter what. Right, right. Like I feel like the it's just gonna be irrelevant. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought, I mean, I'm a I'm a guy that's super big on like the concepts of like I love the idea of social media, so it kind of factors into that, I'm sure. But but yeah, it's uh yeah, the games. What was I saying? Personality. Yeah, games. Personality is good. <laughs> um, and plus, like it's you know it's not just the characters. There's also the tongue in cheek dialogue, and of course, no NES games complete without cheat codes. How about a code? This is real. A code that will replace every name in the game with the word butt. With two T's, of course. It's called the butt cheat. There's no reason for it to exist, but it does, and it's it's pretty great. It's like that, like, they could, you know, they didn't have to give it as much personality as they did, but they did, and that makes it even better as a result. And it also just, like, the, the graphics just really have, like, pop as well, too, because, like, they're not just doing 8-bit graphics. They're, they did a NES graphic style with a color palette that exceeds the NES. So it has all the things, like, it can't do real great, and so it's like, you know, a sunset is like a bunch of different lines that are so each line's slightly different hue or whatever, but they have a much bigger palette to work with, so it just looks really good and kind of, like, kind of distinct. It's still pixel art and whatnot, but it's a little different than what we've seen because it's simplistic, but with the color scheme and more complicated, like, it, it's a cool, cool hybrid. And there's also all sorts of nice little touches, like, um, they have some of the fade-in and out effects, like when NES games kind of glitched up, those are built in. They have uh, things like 
after every stage, Shovel Knight's hanging out at a campfire, getting some rest, and it just looks it looks really nice. Like I would use that as a wallpaper. Like it's really nice. And then of course there's the music, which is chip tune. It will get stuck in your head. the The main theme of the game was stuck in my head about two minutes after I started playing it, and I couldn't like get it out, like or after I stopped playing it from the first time, and I just couldn't get it out of my head. So it's simply put, it's fifteen dollars well spent on Wii U or 3DS. Really, it just depends on if you want the diary or the 3D effects. So if you're me. Miiverse, Wii makes sense. If you're Jose, 3D makes more sense. But it's definitely worth checking out, regardless of which you prefer. I mean, there's a reason this gang as much praise as this gang. It's a good game. I would highly recommend it. Game of the year for you? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, Mario Kart 8 is currently taking that. It's fine because, like, it's weird because I got Armillo and Shovel Knight at the same time. And they're both throwbacks, but they're so... And they're both really good at being throwbacks of what they're throwing back to, but they're just so different. It's just kind of funny how that worked out. So, so yeah, those are my impressions. Now you, sir, are going to break our theme of an indie summer and talk about Transformers, so... Yeah, this is like as opposite of indie as you can possibly get. As we, as the two of us have said this like, is like seven a, times. This, this is a company just throwing money at this other company... Just to say, all right, we have this movie coming out. Just make a game. Like I don't, I really don't care how you do it. <laughs> it like, just, I really don't care. Can we do? It? I really, really <laughs> don't care. Like all right, so basically, like I mean, I went in knowing, like full, like like full, like well, fully aware that this wasn't going to be like a sequel to Fall of Cybertron. Sure. And everyone going in with that mentality was shouldn't. Because <laughs> I mean. It's a cash-in. For, for, I mean, first of all, it's not even made by um, High Moon Studios, which made Fall of Cybertron and War for Cybertron, which were really, really good. And yet not on Nintendo systems game. because they hate us. Yeah. I mean, well, what those games did to Transformers is pretty much what um, the Arkham games did to Batman. Right. Like, And I can't say that highly enough, especially for Fall of Cybertron. War for Cybertron had some issues. It was so good, but Fall of Cybertron like, really addressed them. Sure. But... This game, the only like there are two reasons why I bought it. One, it's using like a ton of assets from Fall of, from Fall of Cybertron. Mm-hmm. So already like I'm going in knowing how to play the game, what to expect, like the kind of difficulty and everything. Like I already knew exactly what I was getting myself into. Until they give you free movie tickets. So there's the real motive. Yeah, spend fifty dollars to get ten dollars. <laughs> well, they give you two. Oh, oh, okay then. Even so, um, like, I really, really enjoyed the gameplay of Fall of Cybertron, and I just really wanted more of it, and this game, on that, like, on that note, just, like, it delivers. Like, right. it gives you, the story you could completely ignore, it kind of... Doesn't it bridge the series with the movie? The uh, games with the movie? Or try and fail, apparently, based on that channel? It tries, because, like, it's weird, because, like, it's kind of funny, because that game takes place before and after Fall of Cybertron. Like simultaneously, what? Well, because how's that? How can you follow that? Like that just seems. Well, is it very clear? Is it like one set of characters in one time? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty. It's clear because like sure. like I said, like it borrows assets from Fall of Cybertron. Parts of the game, or like half of the game, takes place on Cybertron, and when you're in Cybertron, it's pretty much Fall of Cybertron. Like yeah. you're using character, you're using characters from like straight from the game. You're using abilities straight from the game. You're using. Gun straight from the game. They literally copy pasted the assets over. Yeah, like the levels, for all you know, could have been in Fall of Cybertron. I mean, they weren't, but like the locations are definitely from there. And I mean, in that sense, like, I mean, it was funny. I wanted more gameplay of Fall of Cybertron style, so, and I got it. Like, the gameplay was fun. It was, well, 
this also could just be something that only I experienced, but that a few people experience, because usually I like to play games on their hardest difficulty, and that definitely changes how you see a game sometimes, because I obviously not, I don't know how easy regular difficulty is, but hard difficulty is really hard, like, you can't, <laughs> like, it, it's almost frustratingly hard, but that's what I really liked about it, like, I can't just, like, run and gun my way in there, I had to, like, carefully pick out certain people, mm-hmm. approach it from certain sides, and, I mean, even though it wasn't made from Hamlet, like, everything is still really tight and responsive, like, you could run and shoot, you could transform and escape, I mean, especially using Transformers that could fly, those are really fun to use. Sure. But it really is just that, just more of the same. Like, literally more of the same. So it's like DLC. Yeah, it basically felt like DLC. Like, I wouldn't recommend it at all for the for its current price. If you could find it for maybe 20 to $30, that would probably so be So get it without justified. the built-in movie ticket offer. and <laughs> Yeah, maybe a little less than that. But, and that's also with a huge, but if you haven't played Fall of Cybertron or Warfare Cybertron and happen to own a PS3 or Xbox, I would definitely get those over this any day. Like, don't get this game unless you played, <laughs> like, unless you've played those two first. Is that our first no ever? It's like a no with an asterisk. Yeah, it is. Actually, no, it's more like a yes with a not, like, with three asterisks. Yeah, like 17 asterisks. <laughs> you have to have played Fall and War for Cybertron first. You have to have really enjoyed those. And I'm, and you basically, you know, you both have to pretty much like Transformers. So in other words, it's a game that doesn't stand on some merit, but if you're a big enough fan, you can find merit in it. Yeah. Gotcha. Kind of, I mean, because I mean, the gameplay itself, I mean, it's fun. I mean, it works. Yeah. But knowing that there's a better version of it already, assuming you haven't played it already, you're really better off just getting that. Right. But obviously, if you just have a Wii U then it is worth getting if you can find it cheap enough. Sure. Yeah, because that's the thing is, like, they're definitely positioning the game to be, like, uh, it's not, like, a, you know, a niche audience. It's like, oh, it's tied into the movie. It's a Transformers game. It's yeah, going to be like, huge. And honestly, like, if it wasn't for the... I mean, like, half of it is set on Earth and half of it is set on Cybertron. That's mm-hmm. kind of how you know... Oh, okay. Which is which. That's how you know like, the like when, when, when the When the characters are all movieified with the Michael Bay aesthetics, yeah. that's how you know it's in... The present and the gameplay is still identical. That's why it's still fun. Right, right. But then when it's in Cybertron, it, yeah, it's everything just like in Warfare Cybertron. But, yeah, like, everything, like, there's literally nothing, there's no new ideas. Like, <laughs> ignore the story. Like, there's nothing new in the game. Sure. There's no new weapons. All sure. the weapons, or even the DLC weapons are in the game. Everything controls exactly the same, which is a good thing because the controls are fluid. But, yeah, like, there's nothing new. Like, even, um... Does he use a gamepad? Um, for off-TV play. That's it? That's it. What happens when you're playing on, on TV? It's still... It just mirrors it. Oh. Like, something that, like, only someone... Like, this is only because, like, I really, really love Father Cybertron that I, like... I... I paid attention to every single, like, bit yeah. of it. Um, when you... There's a there's a segment of the game where you play as a... As an Insecticon. And... He has the ability to turn invisible, and when you get close enough to other enemies, you can plant a bomb on them mm-hmm. to, like, stealth kill them. Right. But, um, anyone who's played Fall of Cybertron will recognize every single animation that he does when he <laughs> plants a bomb is taken straight from Starscreen, because there's a whole level, or at least the beginning of a level where you start off as, like, stealthing your way through it and planting bombs on people. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, some comedic relief ones where he taps them on the shoulder, they turn around, and then you, like, plant the bomb on their face, and then they explode. And he does the exact same one in that game, too. 
So in other words, so it it's really like is, so it's like like when they're reusing stuff, they're really reusing. It stuff. really is a quick and dirty game, like quick and dirty. Yeah, port I mean, I mean, I'll Not give I'll, I'll give them that. Like the fact that you're playing as an Insecticon, like you couldn't. There wasn't a level where you played as them in a Cybertron, but they were playable in the multiplayer mode. Which uh-huh. is, where they is got, there multiplayer in this one? Um, not on the Wii U one, which is an even like. I guess, like, did you know that when you bought like, it? Adding insult to injury. Did you know that when you bought it? I actually it? didn't. Oh, well, that sucks. But I was like, I mean, I was disappointed, obviously, but I was also like, like I didn't really care too much because I just wanted more single-player mode. Right. So if I wanted multiplayer, out. I'll just play the PS3 one again. So in other words, if you have multiple systems, don't buy this for Wii U. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I get that, too. Yeah, don't get this for Wii U if you have any other console. Unless, like, you're able to, because, like... a glowing recommendation. Yeah, 17 asterisks, you have to bump up to, like, 59 now. <laughs> yeah, because, like, I don't know, I, I guess it's kind of the same reason, like, like, I would buy a lot of Ninja Turtle games. Like, I bought the Nickelodeon Ninja Turtle game. I wouldn't recommend it whatsoever to anybody, because there's better versions of beat-em-up games sure. that you could find anywhere else. But you know, Oh, you're referring to... Ted. Oh, never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but if you like Ninja Turtles and you enjoy beat 'em ups, like that'd be the only way I would recommend it. Right. And this is kind of along the same lines. I would only recommend it <laughs> along all those things that I've previously mentioned. So, like, it's a fun game. It could give you a challenge, but just be wary. Like, go go in knowing that you're getting, I don't know, like a DLC for. In other words, in other words, this the, mentioning Transformers in our indie episode actually is beneficial. Because we got to highlight the highs of indie this game, and it, show how much better they are than the lows of major publishers. It really yeah. is an indie summer. Yeah, this Five full is, circle. I guess exactly what meets the eye. How long were you cooking up that pun? I don't know, just now. Oh, okay. Because the way you said it, it seemed like you were like you had it ready to go. I was actually going to say something else, but then that came up. Yeah, that, that was yeah. pretty good. That was pretty good. So, so now that we brought full circle and and raised. Uh, indie to new heights with Shovel Knight and Armillo and lowered major oh, publishing to great. new lows. Sorry, just random, like, just yeah. come back to me right now. Yeah, yeah. Actually, if you're going to get any Transformers game that's related to the movie, get the 3DS one. That one actually looks really interesting. Isn't that a strategy RPG? Yeah, it's like Fire Emblem. And is it by Way Forward? Like, I was, or maybe not Way Forward. Well, I don't know who made it, but I was like looking like a few gameplay videos of it just to check out like, what it was. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, this like, looks like... So why didn't you buy that? What, what's wrong with you? Well, because I wanted more Final <laughs> Fantasy. Like, I specifically wanted more of that gameplay, and I got it. Like, I'm happy. Right. But, but you just know most people won't be. <laughs> well, that's because like not everyone has like a PS3 and like a Wii U, and yeah. there's also like a huge Transformers fan. Like, I mean, if I have to pitch it to people that just want to play a good game in general... That happens to have Optimus in it. Yeah, then. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's it. Only if you could find it for pretty cheap, I would really recommend it. Because it's fun. Right. I mean, it's fun. Right, right. So that yeah. that does it. We went from, as I was starting to say, we went from the highs of Armillo and Shovel Knight to the lows with an asterisk of uh, of Transformers. So, um. Lots of asterisks. Cause it's lots like, of asterisks. Yeah, because it's not a bad game, it's just a cash in. Yeah, it's just yeah, a cash in. It's a cash in. It's a cash in. But, yeah, so as always. I'm better um, make cash in. Because, like, other cash ins, like, don't even, like, have good assets to work on. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah like, like yeah. it's only good because they have this engine and everything to take the, Yeah, the only reason they were able to pull it off is because they had it from a good game once upon a time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's kind of funny, actually. But, uh, yeah, so I guess that, unless there's any other thoughts on Transformers? No. Okay, then. So that, <laughs> uh, so with that, that pretty much does it for this episode. Thanks, as always, for listening. A heads up. We have Comic-Con coming up in two weeks. We mentioned earlier in the show, we're going to be there. We're going to play the games. We're going to see the sites. We're going to take in the the 
the other the things, whoever you take in. We're going to go inside the Adult Swim Funhouse, which yesterday, or yesterday, last year, gave birth to us. Literally, the exit was a birth canal, let's say. So, long story short, it's going to be crazy we in two weeks. We have pictures. It's going to be crazy in two weeks, and of course, we're going to be covering it here on the site. So, because we'll be at Comic-Con during the time we usually post our episode... The next episode is going to be delayed by two days. It will not be going up on Sunday the 27th as it normally would. It's instead going to be going up on Tuesday, July 29th. So if you don't see it on Sunday, don't go into a panic. We most likely have not died. Who knows? It's Comic-Con. We might. But, it, yeah, we're just a little delayed. So we're, the easiest way to make sure you don't miss it, subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Nintendo. We'll tweet out a reminder that we're not posting that day and to check back on Tuesday so you won't miss it. But uh, definitely, definitely follow us on Nintendo because we're gonna be tweeting stuff about what Nintendo's doing down there, the Smash Bros. tournament, and whatnot, and whatnot. It's gonna be a grand what night. Whatnot, <laughs> whatnot. It's gonna be a grand old time. And also, uh, keep an eye on Nintendo.com for extras. We finally posted last week the um, the Play Nintendo tour coverage that I've been promising for two episodes called uh, the Playground so of the Play Nintendo. Basically, the Playground. It, they did it during E3, so I wasn't got posted during E3. And then there is me being lazy, honestly. But the yeah, the Playground of the Play Nintendo tour is an the article. It's on the site right now. Go check it out. It's about twenty photos of the tour and a summary of what it was like. It's actually kind of cool. It's like they have like a it's like a theme park. It's like a little mini theme park that they built um, without rides, just games. But yeah, as I said, follow us on Nintendo. You can follow us individually if you want to see what gaming sites and other pop culture sites we'll be tweeting about and talking about from Comic-Con. I'm uh, JSR7 on Twitter. Jose is Wero. W-E-I-R-O underscore O. I was so close to not saying it. I, just, I, I, I couldn't resist the urge. And also follow us on Miiverse. See what we're playing. I've been posting screenshots and thoughts on uh, Shovel Knight and Armello, for example. I'm Jason R on Miiverse. Jose's that exact same name of Wero. And, uh, yeah. I've been playing the DLC for Ace Attorney Babies. That's awesome. Have you been me versing about it? Yeah, I did. Didn't you you did! Me? That's right, you did. I'm sorry. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Sharknado. Sharknado reference. I saw that. Sharknado 2. That's gonna be a Comic-Con. We're not gonna be covering that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, um, definitely stay tuned for Comic-Con coverage and more. And we will see you at a slightly later time in two weeks.